It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, November 30th, 2015. Hello again, everyone. I'm Mario Halwani inside our New York City studio. It is so great to be here with you on another Monday, and what a difference a week makes. Last Monday, around this time, I was sweating things out. There was a whole lot of craziness going on back here this week, and I won't get too into that, but this week I'll just say, whew, it's, it's, it's a much calmer host that you're looking at right now. A, a much more relaxed, less, uh, less stressed host on this Monday, November 30th. I'm so happy to be doing another show. We are coming off a relatively quiet Thanksgiving weekend here in the United States. I hope if you do celebrate that very nice holiday with no religious strings attached, that you had a happy and healthy one with your loved ones, with your family and friends. There was a UFC event in Seoul. The big news for us last week, of course, was the John Jones interview coming out. Thank you so very much for all the great feedback. Wow. That was, uh, that, that was pretty much overwhelming. I mean, it, we worked on that a long time, tried a long time to get it. It was a, a roller coaster ride of emotions, but uh, for it to finally come out and be received the way it was, for the most part, was, was very gratifying. And I can't thank you enough to all the people who wrote to us uh, with feedback, nice comments. Really, 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 really means the world. So thank you so very much. If you haven't seen it, check it out. We'll be talking about it today. And, you know, I thought it was a great week for our site. You know, Sean Alshadi's story on Jose Aldo, that was fantastic. We just had a lot of good stuff. It really feels like coming into the end of the year, we're, we're, we're firing on all cylinders, as they say. So can't thank you enough for your support. And we got a great show, so let's get right into it. One of our most stacked shows in, in recent memory. It is 300-esque, in my opinion. I mean, this is one that, uh, wow, super excited about this one. And, and, and I know there was an event on, on Saturday, Saturday morning. If I could have every UFC event from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern time on a Saturday morning, I would be the happiest MMA journalist. And I'm not complaining. I know people don't like to hear journalists of any kind complain. But it's just what a pleasure it is to be watching that stuff, you know, while eating breakfast with your kids. It's like the, the adult version of Saturday morning cartoons. Of course, the big news, Benson Henderson defeating Jorge Masvidal. He is now a free agent. Of course, UFC has an exclusive negotiation slash matching period, so it's going to get interesting. But this is, this is a fascinating story on many fronts, and it's one we'll talk about this week, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it for weeks to come because this kind of story doesn't often materialize in MMA, good or bad. I think it's good in the sense that this is a normal part of sports, this is something that should happen. It's, it's part of the evolution of MMA. Um, it, it shows that things are moving in the right direction. And I think even if you're a member of the UFC, you will agree with that. But we'll get into why it really is a good thing, in my opinion, in a little bit. For now, let's run through today's show. Let's get you caught up, and let's get right into things. Uh, at around uh, 3.50, we'll take your questions and comments uh, the Holly Holm mania has has quieted down a little bit. Her media tour is over, but she's in Sports Illustrated. I mean, it's really unbelievable what's what's happened to Holly Holm. But still, the 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 aftershocks of 193 still sort of trickling out. Although I think we're all sort of now looking forward to 194 and that insane weekend in Las Vegas. 
In any event, hit us up. You know how. At uh, 3.30, we're going to talk to Glory heavyweight champion, that's Glory kickboxing heavyweight champion, Rico Verhoeven. Uh, he returns to action on Friday, and uh, it's, it's a very interesting time to talk to him. He just had his MMA debut. He's a training partner of the now new boxing heavyweight champion, Tyson Fury, who defeated Vladimir Klitschko Saturday in Dusseldorf, Germany. What a moment that was, and even better was his, uh, his singing after the fact. So we'll talk to uh, Rico at around 3.30. 2.45, we're going to talk to Mirko Krokop. Mirko Krokop stopping by to talk about his retirement, the failed drug test. How exciting is this to talk to the legend that is Mirko Filipovic? 2.25, speaking of legends, arguably, you know, the greatest ever, George St. Pierre. 2.25, he'll stop by to uh, catch us up on where he's at in his career and some other hot topics. 2.05, Josh Barnett will stop by to preview his UFC on Fox 18 fight against Ben Rothwell. 145, we'll talk to Kyle Pendred, who somewhat surprisingly retired late last week. 125, we'll talk to Daniel Cormier to uh, get his take on John Jones and other matters related to their highly anticipated light heavyweight title rematch. But first, let us go to the Skype machine and welcome in John Jones's manager. And he is the manager to not only John Jones, but many others as well. Are, am I interrupting you, Malky? You seem to be very busy over there. What's going on? Oh, no, I got your buddy here. Remember this guy? I don't remember this uh, man. Trans- translator. Oh, he yes. Little, yes. Yeah. What, so I, what happened there? To I, oh, no, he's you know, he's talking uh, about Yoel a little bit. We had to get the, uh, the approval for his uh, fight with the commission. So he was here translating and stuff. And I was like, hey, stick around. I got your buddy uh, coming on in a second. Uh, and of course, we're talking to Malki Kawa, first round management from Florida. Uh, yes. Uh, what was his name again? I forget his name. Oh, now he's leaving. It gets hot under the lights, doesn't it? It's being, but he's on the phone with you all right now. Oh, so okay. Fair enough. Like, yes, he yeah. was uh, probably the greatest translator we've ever had on this show. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, all right, Malki. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk. Much to discuss with you as always. Uh, but let's talk about Benson Henderson first. Huge fight for yeah. him on Saturday in Seoul. Actually, it was an interesting one for you and your management team because you also represent Masvidal. You also represent Thiago Alves. That was his original opponent. He pulls out. We'll right. get to that in a second. So it's Masvidal uh, versus Benson. Benson wins, and now he's a free agent. Is he going to resign mm-hmm. with the UFC? Where do we stand? I don't know yet. We're going to find that out pretty soon, I think. I mean, you know, we're gonna, we got to fill the offers. we got to look at, you know, what, what um, everyone's looking at. I mean, well, right now we can only deal with the UFC, so we got to look at that first. We, you know... Benson's obviously got some some uh, ideas in his head, and um, you know once once we see where the UFC is at, and you know hopefully they're you know close to what he wants or at where he wants, and if that's the case, then I think he'll stay at the UFC. If it's not, then he's probably going to end up testing the free agency and testing the waters out there and seeing what's going on. How long is their exclusive negotiation slash uh, matching period? Well, that's about ninety days. I mean, they've got they've got some time in there to to, okay. to negotiate. I mean, they've got an exclusive period to negotiate, and then we can go get some offers, and then they got a right to match. So. I mean, they've got some time in there. Uh, very but I don't think I don't think I don't think it's going to be one of those type of drawn out processes. I mean, I think they're gonna, you know, we're gonna sit down and talk about it soon. Put, put some stuff. To, um, thing. You know, they've always treated me, you know, with a lot of respect. You know, I've done a lot of business with them on a lot of different guys. And none, none of it really gets this public as far as free agency and stuff like that. But I've had other guys go to their last fight on their contract and stuff like that, where um, fighters sometimes chose to take the deals when you know we've said not to, or you know they they you know stop guys from necessarily you know giving guys. You know, good deals going uh, right into right when they were about to go into free agency type of things. So, I mean, you know, I, I just think that what's going to happen is they'll put a good for you know they'll listen to us. They'll hear what we got to say, 
take, you know, what we're, we're saying and then look at it, come back with something and, you know, we'll either say yay or nay, go back and forth maybe for a little bit and then they'll say, hey, listen, 90 days, we don't necessarily need it. Go and get yourself some offers and let's see what's going on. They might do that right off the bat. Hey, go see what he's got and, you know, what he can get and then let's, let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at it and go from there. It's so. interesting that you say that because this, this thing is, is, is common in every other sport, you know, guys contract, they become, it expires, they become a free agent. This is, this is common. It doesn't mean that you're not a team player, that you're not loyal to your current team. It's just a part of being an athlete. You want to test the waters. This is what many athletes in the past have fought for so that today's athlete can go and get what he's or she's ultimately worth. But it doesn't often happen this way, especially in the UFC. Like usually with a fight left, they'll try to resign you. And more often than not, they get the deal done. Why didn't that happen with Benson? Benson didn't want to talk about a deal until his contract was over. He, he made that clear, you know, two fights ago. He just, three fights ago maybe, and he was just like, you know what, let me find my contract out. And so he, you know, took all the fights he can and, and sped up his process a little bit and, and, and uh, was a big-time team player, stepping in numerous times to, to uh, you know, when guys were injured and, and offered, you know, to, to step in many times when, you know, uh, other guys were injured. And, you know, I just think that he just wanted to be a free agent and really just take a look at it. He just didn't want to start talking numbers or extending contracts until he really you know, looked at, you know, what he could possibly be worth, so. Did they try to re-sign him beforehand? Um, I mean, we, we, you know, we had conversations with them as his contract came to an end, and I think they were open to it, but Ben wasn't open to it, so it was more Ben that just was like, you know, let me get through my contract, so, you know what I mean, it was, it was, uh, we never really got to a numbers or anything to that effect, it was just kind of like, hey, look, we got to talk about Ben, and we're like, Ben doesn't want to talk, so let's just chill until, you know what I mean, he finishes fighting, and then we'll sit down and talk after that, because he doesn't want the distraction of a contract right now at this point, so. A lot of people are comparing this to the Phil Davis situation. I think it's very different. A, Benson's a former champion in two organizations owned by Zufa. He's coming off a win now. And and from what I gather, they never really offered Phil Davis a contract. Are they interested, from what you gather, in re-signing him? I mean, we'll know right away. I mean, I think, I think you would be crazy not to be uh, interested in, in Ben. I think Ben is a great fighter. I don't think that anybody, you know, you got to look at all of Ben's, uh, since he won the belt and up until now, how many fights has he not headlined mm. since he, he lost the belt? I think it's I think like 11 or 12 or something. He's headlined, headlined. so how can you, this, this guy's obviously, you know, uh, bringing in numbers. He's obviously somebody that you can put on your Fox shows. He can headline a pay-per-view in big fights. I mean, he, he's a guy that does that. He's, he's a company guy, does everything that they ask of you. At the end of the ask of him, I mean, so at the end of the day, I don't know why you wouldn't be interested in a guy like Ben Henderson, but I can tell you that every other organization out there is interested in him. So, I mean, that, you know, you never know what to do, right? But at the end of the day, I have to assume those are very smart guys. They're a former champion who owns a record in that division for the most title defenses alongside a legend in BJ Penn to just, you know, walk away without, you know, at least trying to uh, sign him. I, I don't think that that's something that's just going to happen like that. I don't anticipate that. After his fight, he uh, he removed his gloves and, appeared to leave them in the cage. Uh, some people said he took them out, but he did take off the gloves, which is somewhat symbolic. Why was he doing that? Why, why did he decide to do that? Do you have any idea? I don't know yet. I'm waiting for him to get back into, into town, and I'll talk to him when he gets into it. I didn't go to the fight, so I don't know. And I haven't gotten a hold of my brother who was there, so I'll find it out tonight when they, when they land. So we'll see. He also said, uh, uh, you know, uh, are, are, was that impressive enough to warrant facing off with you? Was that, who was he talking to there? What was that all about? I have no idea. Come on. I, don't, I, I mean, don't believe you. I don't believe you. I promise you, I don't know. I mean, listen, you know, there's there's um, a bunch of guys who like to fight. There's guys who obviously, you know, you got to remember Twitter. I'm not necessarily on top of every Twitter B for comments somebody makes back and forth. Guys don't call me and say, hey, did you see this guy said this about me? So he could have been mentioning anybody that had ever said, 
something to him. You know what I mean? Like, I, sure. I, I don't know. It could be George St. Pierre. It could be, uh, it could have been Dana. It could have been, you know, other organizations. It could be whoever. I don't know. Like I said, when I talk to him tonight, you know, I'll, uh, I'll find out right away. And so you might get a text message with that oh. for your UFC tomorrow night, whatever it is you can say. It. Okay, fair enough. Uh, one last thing on Benson. What does your, your gut tell you? Because he said, I will retire in the UFC, but I'm still going to test the waters. Maybe he thinks he'll go for a little, you know, tour of the other promotions. What do you think happens with him next? Um, you know, Ben's a, Ben's a, you know, it's funny because Ben's that guy that, um, I don't know that money necessarily is the motivating factor, but I know it is. Does that make sense? Like if the UFC came in with something that made sense, um, and somebody else came in with just a lot of money, I don't know that he just turned down the, a lot of money now that he has a kid and all that, but at the same time, money's never really been Ben's ultimate thing. He's always wanted to be a champion, best in the world. He's, he's one of those competitors. So do you take more money somewhere else? And, you know, maybe go in another organization and, and fight somewhere else and, you know, kind of end your career somewhere else? Or do you stay in this, you know, organization you've been with for a long time and maybe, you know, get less money? Now, you got to understand, as an agent, my, my whole job is to get them the most money possible. Sure. And my advice is going to be to sign wherever the most money is at. But every fighter, you know, when you listen to them, they have different objectives. And so I still, again, like I said, now that this is done, his fight's over with, I'll have a clearer picture when he lands today and I can get a chance to talk to him and, and really get the understanding of where he wants to go. Uh How's Thiago Alves? How long is he going to be out for? He should be back soon in the first part of the year. He's, he's all right. Okay. It wasn't serious. Rib injury, but he's, he's getting better. So he'll be all right. He was good. And he really wanted to take that fight too. So that was tough. Okay. So obviously uh, last week, um, you know, a big deal in the world of MMA, a big deal for our site, for me personally, the John Jones interview. And uh, one of the big talking points, I think, you know, all kinds of opinions after this thing. It was uh, rather extensive, but a lot of people felt like, wow. John, you know, his, 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 his comments towards the UFC from, you know, the Vitor Belfort situation, 151, uh, then meeting him in Albuquerque. I mean, that was, some, that was some heavy stuff. So it's been six days since uh, this interview came out. How would you characterize his relationship right now with the UFC? No, I think his relationship with the UFC is okay. You know what I mean? I think it's, it's, a, it's a professional working relationship. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that, um, you know, I think there's a lot of repair that has to happen on both sides. You follow where I'm coming from? There's mm -hmm. just a lot of things that need to get aired out and, and uh, talked about, and I think that that will happen. So I think that their relationship is fine. I think John, you know, does what John has to do, and the UFC is going to do what the UFC has to do. From your perspective, how difficult was it for John? Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people are still saying, well, you know, actions speak louder than words. Let's see how he is in a year or so. But from your perspective, to talk about all that stuff, to talk about you know, the accident, to talk about his addictions, his partying. How difficult was that for John? It was pretty tough. I mean, John's one of those guys who's very private. He doesn't really like to let people into his private life or what he does. And, you know, he, he spent a long time trying to make sure that, that he put front this, you know, cookie cutter. Like, you know, he said in your interview, yeah. I wanted to be like Magic, uh, Michael Jordan and, and uh, Tiger Woods before he had his, you know, issue. And I just wanted to be that guy. And that's the guy I wanted to put forward. And then there was another guy that, you know, John was and, and, and you know, he did, you know, he did his best. So for him to just come out and say, you know what, Ariel, listen, man, I'm done. This is who I am. This is what it is. I'm, I still want to be a good role model. I want to be a good example. I make mistakes. You know what I mean? And, and now I'm done with it. I, I think it's, you know, it's very, it was very courageous on his part because it's, it's something that, you know, um, he had never done before. Does a part of you almost feel like, and, and this is something I've wondered for a while, like a lot happened to John early. I mean, it's well documented how he really got into MMA. His, uh, his girlfriend at the time got pregnant and, you know, he was almost, he, he was a janitor and he was forced to, you know, just take this chance. Do you think it all happened a little too soon for John Jones? Like, at, at, you know, for a youngster to go through it's all... 
yeah, there's no manual. See, that's the thing that's crazy is that even even for me, right, as a, as a, as, a, as a manager agent, when when I started working with John, just seeing how it went from like, because I started working with him at the Matashenko fight before the Matashenko fight, right? And from the Matashenko fight till he won that belt to everything after that belt, it was a snowball. I mean, it, it just the request came in left and right, and he's like, I could make a phone call to any company in the world and get the CEO on in two seconds. Whereas before that, I was you know trying to pitch him to everybody. Before he became the champion, and then, you know, you got the secretaries, and you got all this guy, and then before you know it, you're meeting with the, you know, the heads of Nike and Gatorade, and, and you're sitting in front of like, you know, all these different brands, and you know, we're, we're turning down movie roles left and right. I, I mean, you don't understand that this kid's life was, we got book deals for you, John, and we got this for you, John, and John, you can go do this, and John, this is what everybody wants. Got excited there about the, uh, the future, or the past, I should say, of John Jones, and we have... Uh encountered a skype issue here let's uh oh are you back monkey monkey are you back i'm here yes your picture is frozen but i can hear your voice there you are you're back um so you were saying uh people are coming at him with movie deals and whatnot i mean it was we we had all types of things going on and, and every appearance everywhere across the world russia brazil canada uh, Australia, all of Europe, everybody wanted a piece of John. Everybody wanted a piece of John. So, he's a really, really good guy. It's just, it, it is a, uh, can you guys still hear me or no? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I can see you and hear you. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm always freezing up. So, I'm just saying he's a really good kid. It's just that, you know, he never experienced anything. He never really done anything. You got to remember, like, I mean, when he tells stories of being, like, poor and. Eric. Do me a favor, call Malky on a cell because it's breaking up here and we're we're sort of uh, up against it. So I want to make sure that I can hear what he has to say. Uh, they need to uh, they need to up their internet over there at first round management because it's not the it's not the first time that the uh, the feed has been a little choppy. If I'm if I'm going to be honest here, but now for for all the critics, I mean, now you'll really find out just how good of a of an agent, uh, of, of, of a representative, Malki is because, you know, like a lot of people said, actions speak louder than words. You, 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 you do have to rebuild this guy. Uh, he has one sponsor now. It's a company called Gat Nutrition. But he did at one time have Nike. He did at one time have Reebok. He did at one time have Gatorade, among many others. And now, you know, are, are, are people jumping on that bandwagon? Do they want to see how he acts leading up to the Daniel Cormier fight or after the Daniel Cormier fight? I feel like if, if he fights in, in, in MSG, that will definitely get him a lot more eyeballs and interest. If it's a, a fight card in, say, I don't know, Anaheim, then maybe it's like, eh, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's one of the biggest fights of 2016, but MSG is historic. That is gigantic. Malky, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, just wanted to, you know, I, I think maybe at uh, FRM we have to get a, a better internet access because it just, it just seems like the speeds are a little slow these days. Everything okay? Oh, okay. FRM, right? The yeah. number one sports agency in the world, and you're telling me it's our speeds. Okay. Well, I'm just All saying. Right. No problem. Um, okay. okay. Let me ask you about this. I mean, you have, you have one uh, sponsor back on the table, right? Gat. Right. How difficult has it been? to resell John Jones? Well, it hasn't been because, I mean, listen, Ariel, at the end of the day, John didn't wake up in the morning and say, hey, let me go get in this car accident. Let me go hit somebody and let me go 
run from it. That's not what happened. And everybody kind of understands, you know what I mean? He's gone through a lot. There's a lot of things he goes through on a daily basis. And I think that people realize, hey, look, he's really, really, really a good person. You sit down and talk with John. I mean, you, you've spent a lot of time with him. You know what I mean? And you, you know, we've had conversations. You've met a lot of fighters. And there's fighters that come across and they'll never do anything wrong. And you just know that they're bad people. And then you meet the John Jones and you know he's a good guy that's made bad decisions. And there's a difference between, you know, making bad decisions as opposed to being a bad person. And I think that, you know, when we go and we sit down with sponsors and we talk to them, you know what I mean? Part of sponsoring John is sponsoring this, this um, idea that he's going to make this change. This, uh, this, this turnaround, mm-hmm. and then he's going to be a much better person that makes much better decisions. And I think that you can just see that already just in his training regimens, just in his exercising, just in the way he's, he's, um, he's approaching MMA now, completely different than ever before. And that's the scary part about it is that now, as a, as a company, do you want to sit there and do you want to you know, belittle him and be like, well, I don't want to sponsor him because you know, uh, he's too much of a risk. And I, we understand. We get it. Some people are, are going to say no. But then there's another part of it where you sit there and you say, well, wait a minute, these are changes that he's made. We've never seen this before in him. He might be the greatest of all time already. What happens now if he really applies himself and just gets that much better? Do we not, do we not want to be a part of that? And I think most companies do. So, you know, it, it's, it's not impossible. That's my whole point. Would you, you know, it might be a little bit more difficult than before, but it's not, like, not, you know, not hard. Not impossible. Would you agree with the statement that, you know, you've been doing this for quite some time and you've had some very big name uh, clients, obviously none bigger than, than John, but this stretch right here from, from now until his return and maybe a little bit then some, this is going to be the toughest test of, of your career because not only do you have to repair the relationships with, with sponsors or try to get them out there to future sponsors, but the, the stuff with the UFC, with the public, I mean, there's a lot to be done here. And I think, you know, uh, unbiased. I think, you know, last week was a nice first step, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think John knows that. And I think John, and the, the beautiful thing about it is that, you know, to John, it's not work. It's something he wants to do. It's not something he has to do. You follow me? Like in his mind, it's like, I'm going to get out there and you know what? I'm going to prove the world that I'm a good person and that I'm a good guy and that I am the champion that they all can get behind. I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to do it to try to do it for a PR reason. I'm not doing it for a sponsorship. I'm doing it because I am John Jones. And I'm going to let the world see the real John Jones. And, that, and that's what he's really doing. He's just giving us the real John Jones. He's still a goofball. He's still the best fighter. He's still funny. He's still serious. He's still all the stuff that he is. But now it's like, okay, there's no more, you know, alcohol. There's no more smoking. There's none of that stuff. Um, it's just a lot of training, a lot of exercise, a lot of nutrition, a lot of, you know, the good things now. And I'm still going to be John Jones. I'm still going to hang out with my guys. I'm still going to go watch the fight. The difference is, is that now I'm not going to go get messed up. I'm not going to sit here and, and, uh, you know, sleep all day. I'm going to get up. I'm going to be a better father, better husband, better, better, uh, better client, better coach, better teammate, a better student. He's just being better at everything. And I think that's the scary thing about this is that, you know, um, I always knew he was the best. I knew it from when I first saw him fight. When I first saw him fight was UFC 100. I knew he was going to be the greatest of all time. I don't know why, Ariel, it's, call it a sixth sense. And most of the guys I recruit, there's a reason for it. But he was the one guy that when I saw him fight, I said, he is going to be the greatest of all time. And I started preaching that, I mean, almost as soon as he won the belt, I knew it. I mean, you saw what he did the show, then. It was, it was really way ahead of his time. And I knew the whole time, this guy doesn't train in the offseason. Now, I didn't know a lot of the stuff that had happened in between camps and this and that. But, like, you know, I knew for the first time, you know, that when he told you about the Gustafson fight where he, you know, yeah. I didn't know about it until afterwards. He sat me, I looked at him in the eyes in the hospital and he told me, you know, for the first time in my career, I walked down that aisle, you know what I mean, uh, to that aisle, knowing in my heart that, I probably wasn't going to win. I, I probably deserved to lose because of the, what I did in training camp. Wow. I didn't know that, Errol. I didn't know that. And, and, and he still won. He still showed the world he had heart. He still took on a really game opponent and beat him. And 
you know, I was blown away by him. I was just like, wow, dude, you know, this guy is really an amazing, amazing athlete. And, and you know, now, you know, I'm listen, I, I don't buy into when a guy pulls 600 pounds, that's great. Weights don't hit you back in the face, right? But forget that. Because if DC was squatting six plates, I, I mean, it doesn't scare me at all. You know what I mean? But right. what I'm saying is, what I know that's scary about this whole situation is, is that he's applying himself now. He's learning jujitsu on the side. He's kickboxing. He's punching. He's kicking. He's wrestling. He's doing all these stuff, and he still has a fight a long time away. I mean, that's that's a that's a you know you guys realize his jujitsu coach came out when uh, I don't remember who he was fighting and said he's a white belt. That was the truth. He submitted Vitor and 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 Machida all black belts. He is a white belt. Now John's like actually you know trying to train and, and get better at jujitsu and, and maybe go up in the belt ranks and get a black belt legitimately as a, as a jujitsu practitioner. You know what I mean? One day. Um, I'm not telling you that's his, you know, his necessary, necessarily his goal, but he's trying to get better at every aspect of his game. And if he does that, and he can do that, I don't think John will ever lose in his life. I mean, you know, I, I've been hearing with the whole Ronda thing, everybody loses. I don't think John has to lose. I don't think he will lose if he keeps doing what he's doing. And that's a crazy, crazy thought. Uh, what can you tell us about the rematch date? Is it April 23rd? Is the, is the hope MSG? I mean, he hinted at it. No one's really saying anything. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, no, 1,000%. I think that, that you know, for, for us, April 23rd at MSG would be ideal. You know what I mean? For him to, you know, look, it's no secret that um, when they first started talking about getting New York State approved, you know, John Jones and Chris Weidman were at the top of the list as far as guys that, you know, could potentially headline it depending on schedules and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. They're both from there, and I think it would be a great story for either one of them, either to co-main, co to headline it, one of them to headline it, for John to headline it, let's say, and Chris to co-main or, if, you know, schedules don't, well, how which way it works out, but to get one of the two, and I think it would be cool for them as champions to go out there and do it. And obviously Chris has a fight and John doesn't. So, you know, the UFC, you know, has, has, uh, has talked to us about some dates. And for us right now, we're, we're targeting April 23rd. And, you know, the problem is with it is like, you know, no one's saying anything because we can't say MSG. We don't know if MSG is going to happen. You follow me? Yeah. So, but I can just tell you that, you know, sometime in April, if it's not the 23rd, hopefully it'll be then, but you've got DC on next. So, you know, maybe mm -hmm. he'll tell you guys, Hey, I changed my mind. We'll fight April 23rd at MSG. And if you will, then, you know, we got to fight April 23rd at MSG. It's all really on, uh, on Cormier at the end of the day, right? And if it's not MSG? Oh, uh, then, I mean, I guess, they, you know, they might have some backup somewhere else to, to fight. I mean, I, you know, we, right now at this point, John doesn't care where the fight's at. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it would be cool. I mean, you got to think, too, right? You, you got your Muhammad Ali moments. Everybody kind of gets that. Your Ali Frazier type thing or whatever. MSG, for both Cormier and John, would be great. I think it would be a huge, huge fight. And to do it in New York State for the first time, you get to be a part of history. Whoever wins or loses that, it won't even matter. It'll always go down in history. The first UFC, sanctioned UFC fight to take place in New York State at MSG was headlined by who? And that, I think, is something that, you know, Cormier needs to uh, take a look at and really, you know, consider. You know what I mean? You're going to sell out, a, 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 you know, a, a, an arena that's usually that's bigger, that's going to seat more people than, than uh, the Vegas arenas. You know what I mean? And for both those guys and with the history that they have, I just think that it's a, it's a slam dunk all across. So. All right. Well, we I think the UFC knows that, and I think I think Cormier knows that too. I think Cormier is just you know Cormier is a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he gets in the meeting, he says certain things, but I think he knows what he's doing. I wouldn't be surprised if he told you guys April twenty third was happening in New York. He might be announcing that next. I don't know. Ah, we'll find out. Uh, Malky, appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Good to talk to you as always, and uh, good luck with everything with John and the rest of the team. No, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. All right, there he is, Malky Kawa, first-round management. So he was talking about Daniel Cormier. Let's talk to Daniel Cormier, the reigning, defending UFC light heavyweight champion, joins us right now. Daniel, are you there? Yep, I'm here. So, so Daniel, you were uh, you were quiet. You know, last week was a pretty quiet week. No UFC tonight. Uh -huh. Not a lot of media appearances. The John Jones interview comes out, and I, uh, you know, 
and, and, and many others were wondering what you thought of it all. So let me just ask you, did you watch the interview? Yeah, I saw it. I saw, I saw the interview, uh, at least parts of it. Uh, I thought it was good. Uh, John seemed, he seemed genuine. He seems to have, seems to completely understand what happened and the mistakes that he had made. It seems as though he is, uh, his head is in the right place as he moves forward in his career. So, yeah, good for John. It was, it was good. So, so you're buying what he's selling? I think, I think as a human being, you have to. You have to give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't always be negative. You know, Ariel, even when this thing first started, my, my thought always was, in terms of John the person and life outside of fighting, I was always hoping that he would get stuff right. Not only for himself, but for everyone around him. I've said this time and time again. It's either though he's done that, and if he's done that, then it makes for life better for him, the person. You know, I'm not even worried about the fighter or anything else. Just just the person on a personal level, on a, a level meeting in life, uh, because of how many people the, our actions affect, you root for the guy to get it right, if not for himself, but for everyone around him, his children, his fiance, family, that, that, that type of situation. So in a weird way, you were happy to to see him, to hear what he had to say, even though you know he was not too complimentary of you and all that stuff. This is good for you. It's good for Daniel Cormier that John Jones is on the comeback trail. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, listen, I don't expect for him to say many positive things about me, and it really doesn't affect me one way or the other. You know, I don't, I, I don't lose sleep because because John doesn't have the best feelings about me. Uh, but the John Jones business. John Jones' business is back open, and I'm happy to be a part of it. I tell you that much. It's interesting because sometimes when you talk to him, he doesn't want to give you any kind of credit. He calls you just a pawn. But then when you say, like, oh, you know, some people say that Cormier is the fake champion, he goes, well, he is the fake champion. And then you see it starting to come out. Did you notice that as well? Like, yeah. deep down, it bothers him that you're, you're walking around with that belt. At least that's my assessment. Yes, I do believe that. I do believe that it, uh, you know, it could have been, it could have been someone else, and I don't think it would have affected him very much. But because it was me, uh, or because it is me as the champion, I think it does uh, make it a little bit different because of our past together. But, you know, uh, yeah. But even watching this interview, you could tell that there are things that John is holding back still a little. You know, you don't know what it is, but... You know, no one's completely 100% open in every situation. Malky was talking about MSG. Uh, I asked him about MSG, and he said something very interesting. Just want to play you this quick clip and get your response, all right? Yeah. Here we go. Here's John talking about fighting Daniel Cormier potentially at Madison Square Garden. Could you imagine April 23rd at imagine. MSG? I don't, you know, you heard Daniel say he didn't want to fight me there. Sure. What I think that's that? the most cowardly attitude ever. Um, if he honestly felt like he was going to beat me, if he honestly felt like he had it in his heart to beat me, he would fight me anywhere. The fact that, that the small excuse of where we're fighting is in his mind, it just shows me that he's not ready to beat me. He's not going to beat me, no matter where we fight. So we might as well fight at the Garden and, and make a little bit more money, quite frankly. Mm. 
So the mind games continue. What's your take on that? Well, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, there was a point where uh, the UFC were going to they were going to go to Sweden or something, and they were going to do the Jones Alexander Gustafson rematch or something. And John was completely against it because John said, "I'm the champion. I should decide where I want to fight." I, if I'm not mistaken, it was something to that effect, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same situation. I mean. I don't understand how he can judge me differently than he wants to be judged himself. You know, it's it's just, again, it's just John being John. It's in those instances that, you know, John's holding something back a little still, you know, because he knows that he's very aware of his situation with Alexander. And, uh, but then he tells me it's a cowardly way because I said it. Whereas when he said it, it was just smart business. Again, you know, Sometimes we are who we are. Have you relented at all? Have they tried to convince you of that? Where do you stand on the whole MSG thing? Uh, you know, uh, I've given them a couple dates that I'd be willing to look at. And, uh, yeah, so maybe you guys will know something soon. But I'm going to make my decision as the champion sooner rather than later. Oh, Just put it like that. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to make my decision as the champion sooner rather than later. The the my choice. The cards are in your hands. I'm the champion. Sure, as they should be right. Um, so, is April 23rd one of the dates that you're considering? You know, as a as as a fighter and. You know, I've said time and time again, you know, it doesn't, the, the garden doesn't really mean all that much to me because I've competed there before. Um, but if I have to be completely honest, obviously, for in terms of how historic it would be and, and, and uh, how big it would be, obviously, you know, that uh, that would be a big deal. Now, for it to be Madison Square Garden, I think, honestly, Helwani, if, uh, if it is the garden, April 23rd maybe becomes more intriguing because I mean, you know, obviously, like I said, for historic purposes, it'd be cool to fight in Madison square garden, obviously, but you know, we don't want to really give this guy what he wants, what he wants, you know? So, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I'll think about April twenty third. <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, do you, I don't know if you you pay attention to him on social media and whatnot, but there's always these videos of him working out, getting buff. I mean, he's gigantic. Do you feel like <laughs> a okay? Well, what do you make of that? Because I see some people criticizing him on his on his feet, and then he even had to respond to them saying like, "Oh, you know, my form. Don't worry about my form. I'm just you know trying to get bigger. I think he's trying to do like six hundred pounds or something today. Is this smart for him to be doing this? What 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 kind of you know messages?" As Daniel Cormier, do you take away from him trying to bulk up five months before a potential fight? First off, the fight is not April 23rd for sure, so let's stop sitting here as, as if five months is exactly what it's okay. going to be. I said before, I haven't decided, Ariel. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> uh, weightlifting stuff, honestly, I thought it was, I thought, look, John said he had some issues before with his, with, with his alcohol and, and in drugs. You have to replace that stuff with something, and it seems as though his addiction is not weightlifting, you know, and it's not bad. You replace it with something positive, something that can help you, you know, because maybe he feels that by getting stronger, it's going to make him a better fighter. Reality is, 
when I saw him getting so bulky as a competitor, I thought, wow, this is, this isn't bad for me. This isn't bad for me as a competitor because the John Jones that was kind of skinny and, uh, maybe wasn't the bulkiest guy. It all worked. Kawani. It all worked. He was like the, his, his, his body, the, the way his body was, it worked. It allowed him for range. It allowed him for optimal speed. It allowed him for quickness and agility. Looking at all the extra bulk, to me, I was like, well, maybe this will slow him down. Maybe he won't be the fastest guy. Maybe this guy's messing with what was given to, given to him. In reality, is what was given to him has been perfect. The guy's 22-0. and 0. He's beat the best guys the, 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 the world has to offer, some of the greatest fighters of all time. And now he's uh, he's gotten bigger, you know. So for me as a competitor, I thought, wow, you start messing with the recipe, the recipe that's actually really, really good, maybe this opens up the door for some of his competitors. Do you get the sense that your John's sole motivation, like he obsesses over you, that this is why he's bulking up. He keeps thinking about you, wakes up in the morning, goes to sleep, thinks about you. If it was Rumble Johnson with the belt or Gus, it wouldn't be the same. It's because it's you, and that's what's pushing him? Uh, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I think what's pushing him is just life to be better in life. You know what I mean? I know that my motivation doesn't come solely from John. I mean... And I should, you would think it would be me because I'm the one that lost. Right. You know? So I know my motivation doesn't come solely from Jones. Uh, it's part of it, obviously, but no. I mean, I would not give myself that much credit. This guy doesn't wake up in the morning going, wow, I need to lift 500 pounds to, because of Daniel. He's doing that for himself. So I think the weights is, is just, it's, you know, he can't do those things that he was doing before. So you have to substitute it, and he substituted it with something positive. So good for him, I guess. But by the way, last time I spoke to you was right after the uh, the Gustafson fight. Physically, yeah. I'm assuming you're over. It's been two months, but like, are are, are yeah. you back training? Are like, because you, you you took, I mean, you took some shots in that fight, right? Did you need to take a break? Yeah. You know, I I've taken a break. I'm still on break. You know, what I mean, I but I've trained. You know, I I don't lift weights and and post videos lifting weights, but I'm in the gym every day. You know, I'm still lifting. I'm still lifting. I still spar and box. I still grapple when I wrestle. I'm just not doing it as if I'm in training camp. So even though a person's taking a break, that doesn't mean that I'm out of the gym 100% of the time, you know? I okay. mean, this has been the greatest break of all time because not only have I, have I not scheduled a fight, which they usually come pretty fast after a fight, uh, UFC tonight, I, I had had one in the last two weeks, so I'm going to have a three-week break right around Thanksgiving. Right after my fight, I was off for a week because I was so beat that we were dark for two weeks, like three weeks. So I've had essentially six weeks with my family to just hang out and spend time. So uh, I'm getting to do stuff that I never really got to do because I've been so busy with my fight and TV career. So, uh, yeah, I still train, though. It allows me to be in the gym more now. And I've been between fights in a long time. So uh, while I was in Melbourne, um, you you actually texted me, and it was fascinating to hear your perspective here. You were watching the uh, the Chasing Tyson Thirty for Thirty on ESPN, yeah. And you came to the yeah. conclusion that you are a Vander Holyfield. Like you had this epiphany. It it almost kind of like blew you away, right? Can you explain why? It did. It did. You know, I was watching uh, the Chasing Tyson uh, Thirty for Thirty. Great show, and Evander 
was just this normal guy, you know, lived with, you know, lived with his family and he was pretty calm, you know, and it seemed as though people didn't really draw to him. They didn't draw to the calm. They were drawn to the chaos. The chaos was Mike Tyson and he constantly got himself into stuff, you know, and people loved him for it and they just were drawn to him. But Evander just kept plugging away, you know, and even in situations where Mike got himself into stuff, uh, with with the with the loss to Buster Douglas, Evander didn't do that. Evander didn't go to Japan or China and force Mike to lose. Mike lost. He didn't train, uh, and Evander became the champion. But he never garnered the respect that he ever that he needed until he beat Mike Tyson. And I feel like I'm in the same situation, being that people don't draw to me because it's too much calm. I'm with my family. I hang out. I don't get myself into trouble. I don't do anything wrong. To, to, to rock the boat. Uh, I didn't make John get into trouble in Albuquerque, but because of the circumstances under which I became the champion, I don't get the respect that I feel like I deserve at times. So I will not be able to, to, uh, uh, beat those demons until I get my hand raised in the fight against Jones. Hmm. So I was watching that and it was very odd. And then not even a week later, Hawani, I get a private message from, or I get a, a follow from Evander Holyfield himself on Twitter. So then I direct message him and tell him the story wow. and kind of explain to him how I felt while watching that. And I, and, uh, and the response was just keep your head up, keep doing things the right way. And it all work out champ. Wow. It's unbelievable. That is amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unreal. Kind of gave me goosebumps just now. Yeah. It was unreal. Can you imagine if you walk out with Evander, the real deal, walking out <laughs> at MSG? Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Holy moly. We could get our Reebok shorts made like those little short shorts Evander used yeah. to dance with at the 24-hour fitness when you were in jail. Wow. That is something. Um, <laughs> By the way, congrats on the on the new contract. Are you happy with it? Very happy. Uh, you know, I went in there and, and, and uh, just made my case and got no fight back, nothing. You know, uh, the UFC... They're very happy with the way that I've carried myself in response to being a champion. They're happy with the way that I've carried myself uh, in terms of uh, trying to help build other fights uh, as a commentator and the job that I do at Fox. So uh, I went in there, I asked for something. Lorenzo and Dana were very open to it, and uh, we got it done. You know, so uh, it wasn't a fight. It wasn't a guy walking out mad, pissed off. None of that. Just we got it done. So I'm very happy with where I stand. I'm very happy with my new contract with the UFC. So you expect to retire a UFC fighter? Yes. Yes. Oh. I will retire with the UFC. Uh, got a new long contract. And, uh, you know, at 36 years old, I'm going to fight until I feel uh, it's time for me to walk away. I've said this time and time again, my legacy in this sport means something to me. So I'm not going to hang around just trying to collect paychecks. Mm. Uh, now, be unbiased for me. We're less than two weeks uh, away. It's a big one. Your guy, Luke Rocco, finally yeah. gets that crack at the title. Will he win? Do you truly, confidently feel uh, like he's going to be Chris Weidman on December 12th? I do. I do. But I watch every day. You know, I get to see him train, and, and I'm closely tied to what he's doing in the gym. I don't get to see Chris. So based on what I see, I feel 100% confident that he'll get it done unless Chris Weidman has made some huge changes to his game. This is a very difficult fight for him. 
And you know, I'm a Chris Weidman guy. Yeah. I've never picked against Chris Weidman once in my career. Chris is a good friend of mine. But I think this is the fight where the matchup just doesn't favor him. I believe Rocco gets it done. Wow. And and, and what about Kane uh, s- saying to me recently in Australia that you've changed? I mean, them's fighting words, right? <laughs> he was joking. Right. I mean, if you, anyone that watched the interview, he was joking. But for me, honestly, seeing him... In that way, Hawani was refreshing yeah. because that is how he acts when he's around his friends. And he's giving the public a little bit more of himself now. You see him more on social media. You see him on the interviews being more open. He's trying to actually open up and let people get to know him. And I think that's what that's good for Kane. So for me, it was refreshing to see him open up as he is with his friends and just kind of give the public a glimpse into to, to how he is and who he really is. He's always been this really guarded guy, and only because of his intensity. It's not like he doesn't like people. He's just guarded because of it's he's so intent on, and he's there for a job. You know, now it seems as though as we've getting, gotten older, he's uh, he's more open to people knowing uh, the real King Velasquez, and I think that's very important. Is it is it an unwanted distraction that he has left Zinkin? a team that you're very loyal to, management team, and now signed with CAA, or is this just something that we like to talk about and really doesn't change anything? It doesn't change anything. I think people in the media, uh, in the outside, they always look for something, you know? Sometimes there are slow news days, Helwani. You and I know that from being in the news business. And yes. This is one of those days where a guy like Kane Velasquez has changed his management. Guys change management every day. Yeah. He would change management teams every day. But the, the bonds that we have built within the walls of the American Kickboxing Academy and the friendships are going to carry us through any situation. So nothing's changed. Same exact situation. Okay, let's end on this. So John Jones is back. As you said, the uh, the JBJ business is, is open once again. What do you think the buildup is going to be like? Do you think you'll have like a world tour type of thing? You th- I mean, I can't wait for those stare downs. When you see him for the first time, what do you think that's all going to be like? Yeah, intense. Intense. Oh, I can't wait. You know, because... It's going to be intense. It's going to be fun. It's going to be intense. As, right now, I tell you this much. Very happy to see John. Uh, very happy to see John doing well, to see that he's gotten his head on straight and, uh, and that he seems to be going in the right direction. But just know that as we move forward, I've got a loaded gun that he actually put the bullets in for me. <laughs> I'm not afraid to shoot it. <laughs> Oh, so so you're you're gonna you're you're gonna use some stuff on him? Is that what you're saying? You got to man. Oh, you got to. <laughs> oh my, that is gonna be fun. Um, by the way, if if I can, uh, this whole idea that Dwight Howard quote unquote posterized Chris Stapps Porzingis, my man, the rookie year, the MVP of the twenty. <laughs> who buys posters in 2015? Who makes posters in 2015? They got lucky. They're they're a mess Ariel. of a team. Ariel. They stole one, but that's ridiculous. As we end this interview, I was honestly going to let you off the hook there. Ridiculous. But last night we started another ten year streak of beating the Knicks. <laughs> last night. For the first time since I was a young boy in Louisiana that saved all of his pennies to buy posters, I got on the internet and Stop. ordered the Dwight Howard <laughs> slamming on KPV. KPV, he got posterized last night That's by BS. Dwight, and it is going up in my house. I want it on the set of the MMA Hour as I send it to you in the mail. 
Fair enough. Um, Daniel, I appreciate the time as always. Always great to talk to you. And, and I'm so very excited for this. Wherever the fight happens, man, you just talking about the, uh, the bullets and all. Woo, it, uh, it really, truly gives me goosebumps. Thanks, my man. I will see you in Las Vegas next week. Hi, brother. Thank you. All right, Thank there he is. Me. Daniel Cormier, the light heavyweight champion of the UFC. Let's move along. As I said late last week, somewhat of a surprise coming out of Ireland. Cahal Pendred, UFC fighter, announces retirement. He did so via Twitter. And, of course, we love having him on the show. Wanted to talk to him about that and where he goes from here. He is joining us via the magic of Skype right now. Let's go there and talk to Cahal Pendred himself. How are you, my friend? I'm good, all right. Okay, well, congratulations on this uh, milestone for you. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a major point. I know in every fighter and, and athlete's career, you get to walk out on your own terms, um, perhaps a little sooner than you expected. Why did you announce your retirement last week? Um, I've just been, been thinking about it for a while. And, and uh, like I said, when I announced it, I just felt like the fire in my belly had kind of dwindled a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I, I always talked about how I felt very fortunate that I, I was pursuing a passion and, and, you know, it didn't feel like I worked, but it started to feel like it had become a job and I was, I was turning up at the gym, not because I wanted it, but because I had to and, and, and I had to get paid at the end of the day. So, uh, you know, I have, I have other, other, other passions that are kind of coming to the forefront now and, and um, I just decided, you know, you can't half be in, in MMA if you're, you're only going to get yourself hurt when, you, when you're you're half-heartedly fighting or just turning up for a paycheck. So I decided it was time to pursue other ventures and, uh, and move on. When did you start to feel this way? When did you start to feel like the fire was going away? Um, the last couple of months, I suppose. I, I had been planning on taking uh, quite quite an extended break after after my last fight. Um, you know, I, I just felt like I pushed myself very hard for... You know, the first year I, I was in in the OC and I needed a bit of a break, and then just the way things transpired, and I have uh, you know the business ready to uh, to open up now, and I was taking a lot of my time. And you know, the thing with MMA is, like I said, you can't half-heartedly be in it. It's not just it's not like other other professions where you just have to turn up at the gym and uh, and and train hard there, and that's it. It's it consumes your life. It's 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 a lifestyle. You know, every everything you do revolves around around uh, the sport, and you know, being in peak physical shape and eating right. And you know, if you don't do that right, um, it, it doesn't work. Look at people who have messed up, like you know, not not to to point or to uh, you know, not to point fingers or anything. But you look at people like Johnny Hendricks who maybe let things slip, and then your weight goes out, balloons up, and you you, can, you have to be on on point all the time, and and. Uh, it was starting to to get to a point where I I couldn't uh, give all, devote all my time to it, and and I wouldn't um, as a result be at the best that I could be. So I just said, "This is time to to move on." Did you start to feel this way leading up to the Tom Breeze fight in Dublin, or did what happened in Dublin a month ago or so really, you know, make you start to feel this way? Yeah, you know, I'd be lying if I said the the loss didn't. Didn't hurt, and and, um, and uh, you know I, I obviously was devastated, but it, you know I thought thought into it and why it happened, and um, you know the the training I put into it beforehand. Like I said, the, I wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't a passion anymore. Uh, it become a job, and and I was driving to the gym, you know, every day, and and uh, 
you know, I wasn't excited about it like I had been in the past. So, um, you know, I have different things in my life now that, that excite me. And I decided it was time to call a day. And I think it's, it was a hard thing to do. And I think a lot of fighters don't do it when they feel like that passion has dwindled, that they, they don't admit it to themselves and they keep on going. And ultimately they're just doing it for the paycheck and, and uh, as a job. And that never works out well. So it was a hard thing to do, but I think it was the right thing to do. Hopefully you feel like this is a fair question. Uh, you were on a two-fight losing streak, obviously not your best performances. I think you would agree with that. If you did continue to fight, are you confident that your next fight would have been in the UFC? Or you know, did you have a conversation and did they say to you to go elsewhere and maybe that's what led to the retirement? No, I, 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 I'm not 100% sure what, what the UFC's plans were with me were. I, I just know what my plans were. And... Um, like I said, it was just it, I didn't just didn't want to continue doing it uh, and not be be fully in it. You can't you can't fight and uh, you know with one foot in the door and and and, and be consumed elsewhere. So it, it was just my decision and decided this is not what I want to do. Did you know that night in Dublin on October twenty fourth that that was it for you? No, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, you know, like I said, I, I, I had thoughts about it. But I definitely knew that I wouldn't fight for, I was thinking at least six months because I, you know, I pushed myself hard. I had five fights in, no, sorry, six fights in 15 months and it was very tough in the body and, and I just felt like I needed, not just the body as well, just the mind just constantly being in, in fight camps. I felt like I needed a break after that, but um, I, I definitely didn't know it was going to be my last time. Can you tell us about, you know, the process that led to you on that Thursday afternoon going to Twitter and writing. I mean, did you have like a, a you know an all nighter? Talk to your loved one, talk to your mom, who we're big fans of, of course, and we say hello to her. Uh, I mean, did did you how did how did it get to the point where you went to Twitter and posted that message? Uh, yeah, I just spoke to I just spoke to my uh, my loved ones as well as I talked to my to my uh, my brother, who's you know one of my closest friends, and. Um, my girlfriend and my mom and my dad and I just kind of said it to them and, and you know they like every, everything I've, I've done in my life they just supported me they didn't try and argue one way or the other they said look at this what you want want to do we're 100% behind you so um you know that was that and I just kind of wrote out my reasonings for for doing it and uh, posted it and you know I got an incredible reaction from 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 everyone, all the fans and and uh, very supportive, and you know they thanked me for for everything. And uh, yeah, it was emotional then. Just reading everything. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 I kind of nearly wanted to say, okay, no, I'm going back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a response, but no, it was the right thing to do. And, and uh, you know, I had an incredible journey. It was I started off as just a fan, an MMA fan, and and. Um, watching the sport on TV and I just transpired and went from one thing to another. I ended up being a fan and then I was I was a UFC fighter uh, rubbing shoulders with people that I once was just a teenager looking on on the TV and thinking these guys are heroes and I, uh, it was an incredible experience to, to go from that uh, and something I'll always look back on real fondly. You're 28, right? Yeah. When you started this journey, when you became a pro, 
in the back of your mind, did you say, I don't want to fight till I'm 30? Like, were you expecting this or is this a little sooner than you were expecting? Oh, if you had said it to me six months ago, I would have said, um, you know, early 30s. I never wanted to go on too long. I think you've a, you've a shell twice as a fighter. So you look at someone like Randy Couture, he, you know, I think he only started in his 30s and went on his, onto his, to his 40s. We, you've got a shell twice there. I, I, I started fighting professionally, I think, 21 or 22. And I was a good six or seven years fighting professionally. And uh, I had a great time. But it, it was the time you just know. I, I, I'd been thinking about it, and that ultimately was was um, everything I needed to know. If, you, if you're a fighter and you, you start asking yourself the question, should I be doing this any longer? I think that's that answers it for you if you're asking yourself the, the, this right. question. Yeah, as, right. a, as a fighter, you have to have this unparalleled passion inside you just driving you, and I didn't have that anymore. Obviously, I didn't see all the messages that came your way afterwards, but I did look at your Twitter mentions and your Instagram and um, it was, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was very nice. It was, it was great to see these fans supporting you. And, and we all know that the Irish fans are some of the very best, if not the best when it comes to supporting their own. But to me, the one that like actually almost made me emotional was what your longtime friend and teammate Conor McGregor wrote about you. I mean, I thought he summed it up perfectly. How did you react when you read that? Yeah, like I said, I, I got emotional when I saw a lot of the messages for that one in particular. I mean, he's uh, people don't take credit for how much of a wordsmith he is, but he, he literally summed everything up there, uh, what I've done, and, and um, you know, it was very heartfelt what he said, and, and uh, I'm very, very appreciative. But you know, I got a bit emotional reading that. It was, it was an incredibly nice message for him. We've talked about this. Uh, you're, you're, you're a polarizing figure in this sport. There are fans who love you, others who you know aren't fans for whatever reason. Did that? Did all that get to you at some point? Was that? I mean, it's 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 annoying. It's tough. You social media comes right to your doorstep. Did any of that contribute to this decision? No, definitely not. I mean, I, I, yeah, definitely. Like you said, I'm a polarizing figure. But um, when you're when you're in the spotlight in anything, you get you, you you get haters. The bigger you get, the more haters you get. And, and I, I learned to uh, accept that earlier early on. Um, but no, that definitely, I wouldn't have let that influence me whatsoever. Why, now that you've had time to think about it, why do you think that is? Why do you think you were so polarizing? Um, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I, re- I really don't know. Um, I mean, I don't know if I was so polarizing. I think, you know, there, there was, uh, there was different articles and, and, and stuff came out, um, that made it look like that I, I, I was uh, felt I was getting attacked, but I, I never I never I never felt like I was getting much more hate than than, than many others, to be honest. Okay. Um, so what are your plans next? Twenty eight years old, you're a young guy, you've got your whole life ahead of you. What are you gonna do next? <laughs> well I've you know, m- most of the money I made in the UFC had six fights and obviously had that hundred grand bonus in the first fight. I put all of it away, and, and I've been planning for a while to, to set up a business, and I'm doing that now. Uh, I'm setting up a, a salad bar. It's a, it's a very popular chain in, in Dublin at the moment called Chucked. Um, they're like a salad bar. It's kind of healthy fast food. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm setting up one of those now in the city centre. should be open in the next couple of months. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that's taking, my, that's taking up my time um, for the next couple of months. But, you know, so many things I want to do, I do. 
Now, I do a lot of writing in, in, in the Irish media, and since I've retired, I've got loads more offers asking me to write for different outlets, and, um, you know, I want to do analytical work tomorrow. I'm going into Satanta Sports, who, you know, package the, all the UFC stuff over here in Ireland, and I'm doing a um, like a breakdown show on, on UFC 194, so I'm excited about that, and that's something I'd like to do in the future as well. Uh, I've also, you know, I've, I've done acting in the past. It's something that I was I always had an interest in. And, uh, I've done some stuff in the last couple of years, movies and TV shows, and I've actually had to turn down stuff because, you know, I was in training for, for fights, so that's something I'll, I'll pick up on as well. So you're going to join the media dark side. I like that. We welcome you with open arms. I've read your stuff. <laughs> it's great. Come over to the yeah. dark side. Um, by the way, I, I saw John Cavanaugh, your longtime coach, write something very briefly on Twitter. Did you have a conversation with him? I know he's in California now, but considering what he's meant to your career, did you speak to him on the phone or via any other means to tell him this in person? Yeah, I, I spoke with him and told him obviously before. Uh, I didn't just go and announce it and not tell. <laughs> not tell. So, uh, um, yeah, no, he, he kind of, I don't know if he saw it coming, Bert, but he seemed to be, he didn't seem to be too shocked. And, uh, you know, obviously he wished me all the best and you know, we're still going to be, uh, he, he's he, he's a friend to all of us um, and his students. We we don't have like a, some some coaches have like a, a father-son type relationship. We're We're more like, uh, it's a it's a friends type relationship we have with John, and I'm all remain to to be like that. And I'm still gonna train out in the gym. Okay. Uh, you know, that's definitely uh, MMA started off as a hobby for me, then it turned into my, to my job. But now I'm gonna revert back to to it being my hobby again, and and uh, I'm gonna keep in there with the guys for for as long as I can. I keep training with them. Considering how fresh all of this is, do you think it will be difficult to watch UFC 194? Um. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just the most excited I've been for a card in a long time. It's an incredible card. I'm going over, and uh, I can't wait to see Kanye unify those belts and and, uh, and go out and celebrate with them afterwards. So you'll be there in what capacity? Just as a as a fan supporting your friends? Just as a fan support my friends. Yeah, that had been the plan even before I made that decision. I was going out and because uh, uh, the last time, you know. Um, during the summer, UFC 199, I was there. It was an incredible experience, and I could see what it was, uh, how much of an incredible experience it was. But I couldn't partake in the kind of sure uh, the fan side of it, and you know, a little bit envious of that. So I wanted to this time do it that that way. So I'm I'm going over with a few buddies of mine. I've got tickets, and can't wait for it. It's, it's probably the best card the UFC has ever had. Yes, and don't forget about your other teammate, uh, Gunnar Nelson, fighting Damian Maya in a huge fight on that card as well. Yeah, it's an incredible, it's an incredible card. That that fight, and then the the, the Wyman Rock Hall fight. Yes. It's, 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 it's amazing, an amazing card. Let us just pray that nothing else happens as far as injuries. Okay, um, last thing. Uh, you look back, tremendous career. People could only dream of a career like yours. 17 and 4, you fought in the UFC, you're on the Ultimate Fighter, you've won belts in other organizations. When, when you walk away from the sport, what's the greatest memory of them all? Could have been one in the cage while you were fighting, could have been one in the locker room, in the gym. Is there something that sticks out that you'll be telling your kids and grandchildren about? Obviously, my UFC debut was, was, was fairy tale stuff, but I think um, for me, what was the most incredible experience of it all was 
being part of the MMA, you know, forefront when when it went from obscurity in Ireland to the mainstream. Uh, that whole journey was was just incredible. Like I said to you before, four five years ago, journalists wouldn't wouldn't touch an interview with us. Uh, you know, any of us fighters, and anytime MMA was mentioned in the press, it was something bad to do with it. You know, it was referred to as cage fighting. Now, now MMA in Ireland is like a it's like a mainstream sport, and the the fighters in the UFC are like household names, and and uh, you know that journey of of how it went from there from A to B was was incredible. That's I I think the the best thing I'll take from it. Yeah, uh, you are you are a pioneer of uh, Irish MMA, and not a lot of people can say that about where they're from. I'll never forget. I mean that Dublin event was one of the greatest I've ever attended and covered. Uh, your fight, your comeback win over Mike King, a huge part of that. Seeing you at the press conference, you know, with the, the busted eye and just, you know, on the winner side of things was, uh, was, a, was a beautiful sight. It was a great thing and, and something that I'm sure is, uh, is going to be a part of your memories for a very long time. Uh, I remember when you were on the show, when you were trying to get into the UFC, when you were part of that documentary series and there was a camera crew following you so it's been a lot of fun watching this journey even though i got into it a little bit late but i wish you the best call always a pleasure you're always a class act and uh, you know i must say i kind of smiled when i saw your old friend cm punk send you a tweet as well giving you the respect the beef is no more and you guys can uh, can can bury that hatchet i thought that was very nice as well appreciate you coming on wish you the best and hopefully i'll run into you in las vegas next week thanks Harold. that was nice chatting thank you all right there he is kahal pendrin now retired ufc welterweight uh, 17 and four record with one draw, uh, walks away from the UFC on a two-fight losing streak. But if you were, if you were in attendance that night, when he fought Mike King, at what was then called the O2 in Dublin, that was a magical comeback. When he beat Mike King, after almost getting obliterated early in the fight. Of course, that fight somewhat marred for Mike King uh, because he tested positive, failed his post-fight drug test, but. When when Cahal Pendred defeated Mike King that night, you just knew, honestly, and this is something that you know sports people say, oh, you had some, something that was in the air. No, no, no. You felt it. You felt it that night that something special was going on for, for the Irish fighters and fans. That was, I mean, one of the greatest comebacks ever. I don't think anyone would, would argue with that. Really special stuff. So nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, a champion in Cage Warriors fought hard to get into the UFC, and I think he would be the first one to tell you. I, I know that, as, as, as we just talked about, a polarizing figure, and some thought that he you know, got some, some unfair decisions that should have gone his opponent's way, that he wasn't the best, all that stuff. Worked his ass off to get to the UFC with not the same kind of skill set as some of his counterparts, and, uh, and was just kind of that workhorse. And you know, you walk away with a 17-4 record, well done. Congratulations on that. So uh, appreciate his time and uh, wish him the best in the future in his quote-unquote future endeavors. All right, let's move along. A big fight announcement last week. Josh Barnett will be facing Ben Rothwell right across the river here in Newark, New Jersey. It's UFC on Fox 18. It's at the Prudential Center. Always love talking to Josh Barnett, and he's joining us right now via the Magic of Skype. There he is, Josh Barnett. How are you? I'm well. Uh, I've just started my morning coffee. Oh, that's so good. So things will only improve from here. Well, I'm, I'm happy to see you smile, Josh, because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it, it was so interesting to talk to you 
last time you were on the show, you were just about to leave to Japan to fight Roy Nelson, and you weren't on via Skype, but it was a different kind of Josh Barnett. I got a glimpse of like the fight week Josh Barnett, the Josh Barnett that's going out on a mission back to his old stomping ground. Like the, the, there was no nonsense there. You weren't in the mood to crack jokes. Well, well right. part of that was uh, I, I had a professional Josh Barnett impersonator do that interview for me. <laughs> So that's why we I, I see was you. too busy uh, with fight preparations to, to be on a phone call right then. It makes sense because usually you're on via Skype. That might be the only time that you weren't on via Skype. So now it all makes sense. Right. He could he could do my voice, but honestly, he wouldn't have stood up to the uh, to the to the sight test. So I had to finagle a way around that technical difficulties. Sure. sure. <laughs> um, what about that moment? I haven't talked to you since, since the fight, of course. And uh, I know you've had great moments in your career, but to go back to Saitama, to have a performance like that, the way you looked, the way you fought, where does that one rank? It felt special as a viewer, as a longtime viewer of yours, but for you personally, where does that rank? I have no idea. Okay. Um, I, I don't really think about it that way. And uh, it, was, it was a really good moment, and it was... You know, it's always good to see the fruits of your labor uh, come through with all the training and everything and, and just uh, the game plan working as expected, except for the fact of uh, I had originally intended to take him down, but uh, the striking was going so well, I thought I could knock him out. and ne Neither one happened, so uh, it's not, it wasn't perfect. So you were disappointed with your performance? Well, it went to a decision, so that's always a disappointment for me. Huh. But uh, overall, from a non-critical uh, level, I mean, it was a good fight. People enjoyed it. Um, there you go. 25 minutes worth of time working is always better than, than you know, five seconds anyways, too. So if I was able to knock him out, maybe there was improvement that I wouldn't have been able to make for this fight because I didn't get that experience in the ring. What was it like being there fight week in Japan? Did it feel like the old days? Is this a new market? What was it like for you? Not entirely like the old days, but there were some, some overarching similarities. And being there for fight week was fantastic. I loved it. It was incredibly easy. And uh, uh, I mean, except for maybe a few technical things like... Uh, they wanted me to set up uh, my Facebook uh, chat with the through the UFC site through an app that I couldn't run on my phone because I run a, a Samsung uh, Galaxy Six, which is an Android, and the app was only for iPod, uh, for oh. iPhones. So I mean, little stupid things like that, but otherwise, I, I loved it. It was it was so freaking easy over there. But then again, you know, I'm so used to that environment and i think that a lot of the people working over there in japan were familiar with me from from old stuff back in the day right after the fight i spoke to your manager and he said that you know you could come back in two months you could i bet you did speak to my manager did you <laughs> that must have been a, a real interesting moment i hope your wife doesn't think you're becoming schizophrenic no i, I love your manager uh one of my favorites if not my, my favorite my manager what is his name he there's a picture of him right behind you and Oh, yes. Oh, me. You're right. <laughs> yes, You're yes. that's right. That's right. That's in a different world. Um, <laughs> that's a different kind of uh, manager. Um, he said to me that, oh, it could be 
two months, it could be two years. You got a lot going on. Something very interesting that was said was, you know, you have to decide whether or not you want to fight for money or your legacy. Legacy means you continue your fighting career money. Well, you know, or if, if money is the most important, you go do movies and things of that nature because you got a lot on, on the table. So I was thinking, wow, that might have been Josh's last fight, at least for a while. Now here you are coming back in January. What got you back? Uh, a bunch of legacy tinged in money. <laughs> that was the biggest part. It's a lot harder to plan ahead nowadays with all the, the things that I'm involved in. I'm, uh, you know, I just got back. I was at SEMA uh, earlier this month, the Specialty Equipment Manufacturers Association Convention. I'm there every year with Center Force Clutches, and I'm always doing stuff in the car industry. And uh, so there's a couple build projects that I'm trying to get underway. Um, not to mention movie project stuff, which is it's really, it's a lot like fighting in that things change on a moment's notice. The way I always look at it is it's like having, it's, you know, all these things sort of hover around you and, and every now and again, one just comes down. You never know when, when one of those is going to come down. You, you they, they tell you, oh, well, in April or this or that. And it's just like with fighting where they'll say, oh, we want you to fight on this card against this guy. And you go, okay. And then all the other variables come into play and, and that doesn't happen and everything gets switched around and you end up on this date or against that opponent. It's the same with movies, uh, maybe even more so. So trying to play a little bit of the great Karnak and open up that, that mayonnaise jar <laughs> off of uh, Funk and Wagnall's porch and, and try to figure out what the answers are going to be so you can plan ahead Johnny Carson jokes probably aren't going to go over no. really well with our demographic, but yeah. Uh, but it's, it's worthwhile to do it and it's hair pulling at times. And luckily I still have a full head of hair, but I don't know if I keep on with all this fighting, moving, uh, movie stuff and everything, who knows how much I'll have left, but, uh, it's, it's running me to the to the very to the ragged edge, but I, I like it, and I'm you know I'm here to live life, not uh, not not coast comfortably, and I've even got my training duties. Uh, DJ Taiki is going to be fighting on the Ryzen uh, December 29th card at Featherweight, and he's down here in CSW training with all of us. Uh, and I got Victor Henry who's fighting for the King of Pancrase title at Bantamweight uh, December 13th, uh, Pan Pancrase 273 that'll be live on Fight Pass. I got a lot. I got a lot going on. So did they have to sweeten the pot to get you to come back? Uh, I always like sweet pots, <laughs> you know, even even though that could be controversial, I suppose. I don't know. That's that's not a marijuana joke. Okay. Uh, um, it just, it's about how it all worked out, how it all worked out together, timing, uh, having enough time to get into a camp. And, and honestly, it's, it's easier to, to roll from this last fight into this one, then it would be necessarily to take a break. And it, it, in the way I saw it is if I took like a short to medium break would have been worse than to take a really short break, go into a fight or to take a really long break, do other stuff, set up well in advance for the fight. So I just turned 38, maybe two weeks ago. So Happy birthday. I gotta, it takes a little longer to get into these things. How many more years do you want to do this for? Have you thought of that? 
Yeah, uh, till I'm done. That's the that's, that's the, the only answer that I can ever give faithfully and honestly because you don't get the opportunity to be an athlete all your life. And so while I may be able to continue to grapple or do some other things after fighting, fighting has its window, and, and then when that's closed, it's closed. So uh, I'm going to run it until the wheels fall off, and uh, that's the only the way I can see to do it. It appeared to me that you were in maybe the best shape of your career. I mean, you look tremendous. Uh, do you agree with that, A? And B, how did you get to that point? I, I was in pretty damn good shape. Uh, I was working with uh, my buddy, uh, Eric Hammer, who does, he's like my main sparring partner and has been for the longest time, but he's been working with a lot of different diets uh, on athletes. And right now he's working with Helen Maroulis, Aaron Pico. Uh, I think he's even working with Elena Periskova for their diets. And they're some of the top freestyle wrestlers in their weight classes in the world. And they're finding their weight cuts to be easier and feeling stronger and getting on the mats bigger. So. You know, if it can work for them, it can work for me. So working with that uh, was an improvement in just not so much how I show up on fight day, but also how the day-to-day -day training goes because it, it breaks you down so much. And being able to recover properly is so incredibly important. Uh, and it had a big help with that. Um, also, I just being in shape is, is pretty much the biggest key to fighting uh, in a lot of ways. And Carl Gottschoy said... Uh, conditioning is your greatest hold and I believe that so whether I have looked in great shape in the past or look or, or, or not I'm always in shape I'm always ready to go I'm always ready to give five rounds if I need to and uh, you know five rounds is a lot of output you know I hit I threw a lot of strikes in that fight and you can't do that unless you have the gas tank for it and it's not just even about having a gas tank it's about being able to expend that energy to go hit that quarter mile blast and then be able to turn around and hit another one. So how quick can you recover? You know, when I spoke to Rashad Evans in October, um, prior to his fight against Ryan Bader, at that point he had not fought in around two years. And he was like, this is a completely different UFC. There's so, so many new faces, got the Reebok deal, the USADA thing. He, he, you know, he was coming to a whole new promotion in a sense. And the same was, you know, the case with you. It had been almost two years since your last fight. What did you make of all that? And in particular, the, the Reebok and USADA stuff. How did you feel about it, you know, once you finally had a fight under your belt under, under this new era? Well, as far as like Reebok and USADA, that stuff is, there's nothing you can do about it. So there's no point to really feel about anything. Feeling about it won't help you and it won't change anything. But you, you need to learn what the rules are and how to work with it. And as far as USADA, I've already done uh, the first full bore, WADA, Olympic level, uh, random testing uh, protocol when I fought Travis Brown. So I've already done USADA and then some. So mm -hmm. these guys, they're a different group, but I've already done their protocol or, or if better. So no big deal to me. I mean, and even still, even if it is a big deal to you, well, then I, I guess you can't fight in the UFC because they have to go hand in hand. Uh, so, and with Reebok, it's the same thing. You know, you can talk about how much money you may have lost from your sponsorship deals or or you don't like the uniforms or what have you. But instead of trying to to scream about it, uh, I instead just tried to work work with people and, and see what, what could be done. And honestly, so far, the Reebok experience has been pretty easy for me. Uh, you know, it's like I've said in the past, I would love to see more personalization in terms of 
uh, colors and styles and things like that. Maybe even just a set group of, of patterns or, or graphics that you can alter color-wise. You know, that's, it's just a simple matter of swapping out uh, different palettes but for, for the individual fighters. But otherwise, yeah, the gears worked fine. Everything was okay. But when it comes to the overall landscape of things, USADA, Reebok, that's more on the business side of stuff. When you get into a ring, fighting's fighting. Fighting hasn't changed. War never changes. So, you know, I can't say how Rashad feels about this, but I know I don't really care. I know I'm going to walk into a ring or a cage, and someone is going to is going to be there, claiming that they can kick my ass, and I'm out there to prove them wrong. So, there is no difference. It doesn't matter if if you transported me to the UFC 20 years from now or whatever the organization may be at that time. I know that there's going to be another man on the end, at the other end of that ring, and I'm going to go out there and beat the smack out of him. So fighting is fighting, man. There ain't much to wrap your head around. Either you want it or you don't. So this is a big fight against Ben Rothwell, uh, a, a character that's coming into his own. What's your take on Big Ben? The, the laughing, the promos, the dancing, and, of course, the fighting as well. I'm not worried about the dancing. Okay. I already defeated Daniel Cormier in a dance-off. Yes, Daniel. I defeated you. <laughs> you were unprepared. <laughs> Your hips were not well lubricated for that moment. But, uh, uh, you know, Ben's an all right dude. I've known him for a very long time. He is a fellow nerd as well as I am. He's a Magic the Gathering geek. He, uh, he used to play video games, I believe, to a professional level. Now, I could be wrong about that, wow. but I remember that him telling me about that back in the day when he was fighting in that uh, heavyweight Super Brawl tournament, uh, the Tim Sylvia one. Okay. So, uh, you know, this fight might be decided by a game of Magic or Street <laughs> Fighter 2. You never know. I'm sure the, uh, the execs at Fox would love that if you guys just stopped fighting and broke out the cards like you did one time on this very show. Yes, I did. Yes, yes. I did. And I won, Yes. by the way. <laughs> Well, one, you were ill-prepared because you didn't even have a deck. No, and I don't even know anything about magic because contrary to popular belief, I'm not as big of a nerd as people think I am. But I'll tell you what I do you love. You are a big nerd, but you're a, you're a more specific nerd. You know what I mean? Nerd, nerd comes in many shapes and sizes. When it comes to sneakers, you are a full-blown dork. Fair enough. Right? Fair enough. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, you know what I'm nerd of? I, I love the, the round five figurines. They don't make those anymore. But my good friend Gonzo Customs... Go to this camera right over here. He sent me last week, he sent me a custom-made Josh Barnett that, I mean, this is... This yeah, is, it's based off of the HAO Pride figures, yeah. I mean, look at this thing. Do you have one of these? Did he send you one? No, no. I, I have had, I have never had the opportunity to really meet him, and every time he, we've been in the same area, we've never hooked up, but... Uh, Look at yeah, this he thing. does quality work. That's this is for insane. Sure. Look at this thing with the shoes and the pride gloves. This is all handmade, one of one. How do you feel about the fact that I oh, have you. this and you don't? Uh, I feel like I'm going to start feeling shooting pains in various body parts <laughs> as you stab it with needles or something. I don't know. Or either that or your Josh Barnett fetish has come full circle. <laughs> it's only fitting, though, as your manager, that I would, you know, this is yes. some of the, the fruits of my labor. You know, I mean, I think it's only right. <laughs> no, throughout you, all things are possible, Ariel. Yes. Um, well, I just wanted to mention that uh, that I had Rashecki. that. But, uh, in, in, in all seriousness, okay, let me ask you this before I let you go. Uh, you, you now, do you still train Jessamine Duke? 
Yep, still training Jessamyn Duke, still training Sh- Shayna Baszler is on a on a on a full on pro wrestling streak right now. She's doing great. Uh, she just had lo- she was one of the co-main events for ECCW pay per view. She'll be going back up there again in uh, January. Uh, I even got uh, local indie or uh, indie superstar Tim Thatcher is coming through here to train with me and catch his catch can and. Uh, yeah, the pro wrestling stuff is going strong and still training the girls, still training Marina Shafir. Okay, so uh, so I'm happy you mentioned that because a lot of those fighters came from GFC, Glendale, right? And Edmund has received a lot of criticism as of late. What's your yeah. take on that? Is he, you know, is this deserving? Is he not as good of a coach as, as we thought he was? What's your take? Yeah, I don't really know about that. All I can say is that the time that I was around him and some of the things I saw him show as a coach... I thought were pretty good. And I think that he's done a pretty fair job with Rhonda overall, uh, considering she's she's done uh she's been undefeated. Now I I know people say that it's like you didn't really have any you didn't have you wouldn't have to do anything for her but just uh you know put the gloves on her and, and get her, give her some water. But I I disagree with that. I think he's had a, a good a good part of of her development as a fighter. And while she may not be the phenomenal boxer that all the uh, you know all the the uh, as Ronda and, and Edmund has touted so often about right. how she's going to go out and knock out all these pro boxers, but I mean considering where she came from, I'm sure she has made a lot of improvements from day one to to now. And uh, you know, I mean, there's more to being a coach than just techniques. You know, uh, I imagine that her mentality towards going into the ring has been. Uh, bolstered by the the way he trains her. So uh, as far as like the other the girls, Jessamine, Marina, and and Shayna. Well, Shayna had been my student for years, right? Seven years or so. So it, it made sense for her. And even still, during her GFC camp, she was spending some time down at CSW, and you know it makes a lot of sense for her to be down there with me. And uh, and I guess you know the, the girls came with her every now and again and they decided that they liked the way that uh that csw was set up and the way that i i did things so they they wanted to come and train alongside me uh train under me and alongside shana so i don't think there was a whole lot of Edmund sucks or anything like that okay fair enough i wanted to get your take on that well good to catch up josh thank you very much for the time nice to see you it's been a while yes and uh i look forward to this fight this is a great fight on fox Josh Barnett, Ben Rothwell, January 30th, Newark, New Jersey, Prudential Center. You're coming to our neck of the woods. That's very exciting. I'm sure I'll talk six to you. Five, almost 6'5", 270-ish, getting in the ring with 6'3". Who knows how heavy I'm going to be yes. for this fight. You know, I have a good record in Jersey, you know. I've done pretty well for myself. Yes. Well, that'll be fun to, uh, to look back on. So, okay, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. Uh, live and free on Fox. Josh Barnett, I'm sure I'll talk to you beforehand, but it's been good to get your initial thoughts. Thank you so much. Bang, bang. <laughs> there he is. The war master himself. Good to hear from him. Uh, my good friends over at uh, Fight Metric flipped the script. Tells me Josh Barnett landed a heavyweight record, 146 significant strikes versus Roy Nelson, including a UFC record, 95 significant strikes landed in the clinch. How about that? Not bad, Josh Barnett. And you know that had to have felt good. considering how his fight against Travis Brown went at UFC 168. What's going on here? 
that was big. Big to come back, very much a player in the heavyweight division now. And things are getting interesting. We know that it's Cain Velasquez and Verdum next. We don't know exactly when, February or March. But you got the JDS Overeem fight. You got the Miocic Arlovsky fight. And then you got this fight Ben Rothwell versus Josh Barnett, all in the span of a little over a month. I mean, someone's going to emerge. I don't know if there's a clear cut favorite. I'd probably go with maybe Arlovsky Miocic fight as the, the front runner for the number one contender fight. And then. Maybe it's Ben Ben versus uh, Josh. And then maybe it's JDSR. I, I really don't know. It's like that UFC on Fox 4 event way back when where uh, where they said, uh, the guy that looks most impressive is going to get a title shot. Remember that? That was weird. And, and, and Machida, Machida got the title shot, but then he never actually got the title shot. You know what I'm saying? It was uh, that was right before the whole UFC 151 madness. Or I should say UFC 152 madness, which John Jones talked about last week uh, in our interview, the interview that we posted last week. As I said, uh, that was uh, whoo. This time last week, I was a much different person. I was a much different person. It was very uh, one day. I'm going to write a book. I'm leaning towards Highway to Helwani. The problem is I, I, I don't do a good job of writing down all my experiences. I have a feeling that this one's going to stick with me for a long time. But I need to do a better job of recording this stuff because it's been quite the trip. It's been seven or so years. I'm not announcing my retirement or anything here, but... Highway to Helwani is the title that comes to mind all the time. This one will probably have its own chapter. But I have a feeling like if if it if it comes to it and and I really need to I, I'm very lazy when it comes to, you know, writing or even recording this sort of thing. I'm probably going to forget everything. So I need to really get on that. But it, it made, you know, the comments afterwards and and the feedback, it it sort of made it all worth it. So I I really truly appreciate Everyone who who wrote in, who sent us messages, who who of course watched the interview, and I still have a couple more interviews from my trip to Albuquerque. What a great trip that has turned out to be! Uh, yesterday, I posted one with Carlos Condit, who at the very end of the interview said, "You know, I don't have a lot of time left," and I thought that was very interesting as he prepares for a welterweight title fight. I have two more left to post: one with the aforementioned Andre Arlovsky, and another with the aforementioned Alistair Overeem, in which Alistair Overeem actually physically assaults me in the middle of Jackson Wink. No joke. Takes me down, ties me up like a pretzel, a svelte Alistair Overeem, no less. I'm tapping furiously. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I mean, he's tickling me, just to give you a little preview here, he's tickling me uh, in, the, in the hip. I actually had a bruise. Should have taken a picture. And I'm tapping. He's ignoring the taps, a la Husimar Palharis. And this is all caught on camera, and no one does anything about it. How about that? That will be out soon. So in a minute, we're going to be joined, hopefully, by George St. Pierre. What an honor and pleasure it is to have him on the show once again. Had him on, I think, twice. 
thus far. Once episode 200, another time after UFC 171. Did we have him another time? Maybe. It was a big day, or at least we thought it was going to be a big day in Nevada. They were having another one of their hearings. This one, again, not being televised on Fight Pass. Second time in a row. I wonder if that's a, a sign of things to come. Uh, and, and, and the big item on the docket was the, uh, the Vanderlei Silva rehearing. But if my Twitter is correct, it doesn't look like there is going to be a rehearing. I'm looking at uh, Twitter right now. They did announce who the uh, the referees are going to be for the two big title fights at UFC 194. Big John McCarthy will be refing Aldo McGregor, which is amazing news. Great to see Big John back in the mix in Nevada. And Herb Dean gets Weidman Rockhold. Oh, and just as I say that, Sean Alshadi posts a... Uh, an article on the Vanderlei Silva rehearing, again postponed by the Nevada Athletic Commission. This is the saga that will never end. Uh, this is from Sean, Vanderlei Silva's rehearing. And by the way, if you missed Sean's story on Jose Aldo and the men who faced him, it's just outstanding. It was posted last week. You can easily find it on the site. Vanderlei Silva's rehearing with the Nevada Athletic Commission was again postponed on Monday with the NAC electing to table the issue for a December meeting after Silva's lawyer, Ross Goodman, attempted to introduce a consent order a voluntary agreement between two parties without an admission of guilt. He negotiated with Nevada Deputy uh, Attorney General Chris Eccles. Silva was not present at Monday's meeting. The commission ultimately postponed the decision, excuse me, the discussion until December to allow ample time to review Silva's consent order. So you can read the rest of that on MMAfighting.com. But now let us go to our next guest and welcome him. He is joining us via the phone right now. He is the one and only George St. Pierre. George, how are you? Hi, Ariel. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Fantastic. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You seem out of breath. Uh, were you just working out? Yeah, no, but yeah, but I had to, had to jump in the shower and then, uh, I had no signal where I was. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit late. Nope. Uh, so, so I have to go up, to come upstairs, and uh, some people were asking me for picture and stuff. So I had to uh, had to uh, get free, and now I'm calling you. No problem at all, George. We'll wait all day for you. So it is an honor to have you on the program. Let's get right into it. Uh, you know, I, I've noticed. You know, you kind of come and go as far as media is concerned. But over the last week or so, you've talked to some people, some French outlets, some Canadian outlets. Chill Sun and you're on his podcast. Is there a reason why we're hearing more of you over the last week or so? Well, I, I have nothing, nothing really much to say. You know, I just, I guess, uh, with everything that happened, Ronda Rousey lost their fight. Uh, maybe my movie coming up, Kickboxer, and uh, I guess uh, Freddie Roach made some comment uh, about uh, possibility of uh, if I would like to go back fighting. I needed it would be a good idea to do a six-week training camp. Uh, I think that's why. Yeah. So let's talk about that because he came on our show and 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 confirmed that. Was he sort of uh, speaking at a turn there? Did he kind of put the cart before the horse? It sounds like, from what I've heard, that you're not really considering doing this. It, it might happen, but it's not a definite. Is that right? I know. I, I heard what he said. He didn't say uh, it was definite, too, you know. Uh, the reporters, that's their job. They want to 
they, they want you know they want to have the they want to bring the the scoop you know the for the news they, he didn't say nothing wrong he said we had a talk with each other and yeah, he told me, he said, George, will you think of coming back? He said, if you think of coming back, I think you should do a six-week training camp. And I, I said to him that if I ever fight again, I want him in my corner. Otherwise, I would not come back. I needed him, and um, he's a big part of my game now. And I think he's the best in the world at what he does. And uh, I want to be, uh, I want to be more involved. Him to be more involved with with me if if uh, if, if it's done. Why did you make that decision? Why do you feel like it's it's best for you to have him in your corner if you do come back? No, I feel a difference when I train with Freddie. I, I feel uh, my footwork, my uh, my distance control, my my my, my power, the punches, power, my, my hands, everything gets gets better. I try sometimes to transform myself more into a. I'm I'm from karate background and try to transform myself more into a Muay Thai uh, stylist. I think karate. I should stay with karate and boxing. I think that that's what that's what works. That's what works the best for me. He he also said that if you do this six week training camp, it will be in LA at Wild Card. He'll be overseeing it, and that was surprising considering you know where you're from, Montreal, and your gym, TriStar. Is that true? I don't know if he says that. I, I uh, when we talk about it, the uh, I told him I want him to be involved. Of course, I'm gonna come in LA, but I want him to come in Montreal. We'll see. I, I, it's nothing, you know. I, one thing for sure is now I wanna, you know, with all those years of training, you know, I, I never spent really much the, you know, like uh, New Year's and all the this holiday time with my family and friends. I never had because I was always on the Super Bowl card. I was always training, so I couldn't really enjoy my time. So now I wanna one thing for sure. I wanna I wanna have a nice. Uh, Nice holidays with my family and, and friends. Enjoy it. Party, have fun. As I'm training, of course. But if, if I have to do it and try to do it, I'm, I'm going to do it uh, after that. And after uh, in 2016. Does the part of you wish that you initially came out and said you're retired so that people like me would stop asking you if you're coming back, if you made a decision, the fact that you're kind of in and out and you haven't said the R word, I feel like every interview I've seen of yours, every time you're making a public appearance, people are asking you, are you coming back? Are you not? Do you, do you almost yeah, regret course. the way it's been done? No, 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 I don't. I, I just, I don't even know myself. And it, it depends on, on, on a lot of things. And uh, a lot of things, you know, like I said, uh, uh, I haven't made my decision. I don't have to make a decision yet because I don't know. You know, I'm not that kind of guy... If I say I'm gonna retire and come back and then make up, like you know, I don't, I don't like to do that. Like so, I don't, I just don't know, you know. So, is there a part of you that says if I reach a certain age, then for sure I'm not coming back? Like I have a deadline? It's not really the age. I think it's the the physicality, how you feel as an athlete, and I'm, I feel the best I ever felt. You know, I just finished training. I'm, I feel more powerful, in better shape than I than I ever felt. I feel smarter, sharper, and, uh, you know, it feels, feels great. I also train for fun. I don't really train for performance right now, which is different. Right. But I feel the fun again. I used to do for so many years uh, training for performance with, with you know, the stress and, the, the you know, the, 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 the pressure. So I, I kind of, uh, with everything that has happened, I, I kind of lost fun. So now I have fun again. And I, I needed this. I needed this for a long time. When you sit down and watch big UFC fights, do you start to imagine, do you start to get that itch and say, ooh, what would it be like to go back in there? Can I do it again? Can I be champion? Has your mind started to think that way? 
Yeah, but it's always going to be there because I used to compete. It's always going to be like that. A part of me is thinking I have a lot more to lose than win. And another part of myself thinks we only live once, you know, so I don't want to be at maybe at 80 years old and say, tell myself, oh, I should have done it and I didn't, I should have done. A lot of things in life that I regret are, most of the things in life that I regret the most are the things that I, I haven't done. Hmm. It's not the thing that I did, it's the thing that I haven't done. So there is pros and, pros and, pros and cons, you know, to this. And, uh, you know, I, haven't, I just don't know. Uh, your coach, Faraz Zahabi, said on this show he thinks you have a lot of fight left in you. Freddie Roach said he thinks you're coming back. Why are all these people so close to you saying that you're coming back, but you're not saying it? I tell you, I, I, I'm the, I feel the best I ever feel. I, I, I look better now in training, inspiring and all that, 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 that I ever looked, even when I, when, when I was competing at my best. I, I'm, I'm at my best. You know, I have more fire in me. I have more fun. I, I, I enjoy training, and I'm more hungry. But the reason why we talk about this, the trying a training camp without fighting, is because sometimes when you're in training camp, you can be lethargic, you know, like, if the lethargy kicks in again and you still have, you lost your, your edge and you, you fall into the same pattern feeling that when you were tired and not hungry, you know, that's a good indication that you need to stop. That's not a good idea to go back. That's why I, I believe it would be smart. If I plan to, if I plan to, it doesn't mean I will. Mm. If I plan to come back, I won't tell nobody. I will do a, a training camp in secret. You know, and uh, see how it goes, and try. You know, it depends on what's gonna, also what's going to happen uh, in UFC and uh, decision that people going to make and the result. A lot of stuff depend on a lot of things. Uh, last week, you made headlines when you talked about uh, the 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 night of UFC 167. You were getting stitched up. Someone from the UFC said you don't have to go to the press conference. You said no way, I'm going to the press conference. And you said if if no, things... they didn't tell me I didn't have to go. They told me to not going. They said that I, I I they didn't want me to go. They didn't want you to go. Is it is yeah, it? Yeah, if they don't go, you're not allowed to go. That's why they say it from. I, I swear. Sure. Why do you think they said that? I don't know. That's why I I didn't know at the time because I didn't know what was what was uh, what had been said. It's after that I realized that I, I, they didn't have any discrepancy uh, after my fight. Like I, I didn't, you know, I didn't felt, you know, I, I had the result and I didn't felt like I was pissing off people. I didn't felt, I didn't know what was going on. Like the, this whole thing, like Dana what was saying. I, I, and I'm, you know, I'm not angry at Dana what I talked to him and, and um, he, he do things for the best of his interests and I do things for the best of my interests. And it was not in the best of his interest for the organization that the guy leave with the belt. So, I, and I understand it was a close fight. You know, many people, you know, they argue. Is me, I, I, my, to my eyes, I, I, I review it many times. I thought I won. One, my, my corner told me I, I did one, uh, one, three, and five. So it didn't have any discrepancy in my, in my, um, in my, in my mind. I know after a fight, like a lot of fine people raise their hand and stuff, and you know, I, I didn't feel it was like the. I don't know if it's the correct word, uh, discrepancy. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. feel any, anything. I didn't know nothing bad was going on t until um, they say to me, oh, you're not allowed to go in press conference. Because I, I found it out, I find it that it was kind of weird. 
And I, because I was getting stitched up, I wait for the doctor a long time. And I walk in and I saw the reaction of people. I was like, it's kind of weird. And it's all after when I re- reviewed the press conference when people told me what was going on that I, that I realized. But I didn't know. Is it true that they took away your belt that night? Yes. They came to take the belt. And Christoph, uh, my friend, he was angry. He, like, I, I, like I was getting stitched up, I think. And they, they, I don't mind the belt. I, I mean, it's a nice gift. I, every time I win a new belt, um, I used to give it as a gift to people that, that helped me. I kept one. The, the first one that I, that I won, I gave it to my mother. The second one, I put it in, in, my, in, a, in, a, in my workout place. And all the other belts that I gain, I give it to either one of my trainers one of my, the people that helped me, one of the guys that used to help me, that I sponsor a long time ago, I always gave it to someone that, that is very important to me. And yeah, they, they took the, the belt, yeah. But it's, it's, it's okay, it's, it's only material. The importance for me is the memory that I kept from it, and uh, this, nothing can take it away from me. After the press conference, I believe you had a face-to-face meeting with, uh, I think it was Dana and Lorenzo. Can you tell us what was said in that meeting? Yes, I'll tell you, and I'll be straight to him. I, I'm not going to say name. I'm not going to tell you exactly what I said, but I was very pissed off, and I use a lot of F-word and uh, swearing. I'm sorry. And I was very angry because, uh, because of the, the testing issue for the st- uh, doping. Mm-hmm. They did not support me for the anti-doping, and I told them, I was like, I was like why they didn't support me for this, and, and I didn't understand it. I was very angry. I said, you guys need to wake up because a lot of people are, you know, cheating and stuff. And it's a freaking joke. You guys are kind of protecting these guys and it shouldn't be like that. I mean, I was very angry. You know, it's like you're fire, you know, I was very angry. And I didn't, you know, I didn't, I never went publicly, never accused nobody. I wanted to change the system and I was very angry. I was very angry. That's why. And they were like saying to me like, oh, really? You think so? And now that I look back, I know that they know, but they, I think, it, I know I'm not stupid. I know it's business. If you promote a fight, you, 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 you spend million dollars doing promotion for a fight and the guy get test positive. So they lose a lot of money. It's, so it's not in their best interest right now to make the test, the best testing possible, because if the guy tests positive, they lose money because the fight got canceled. So I, I know this. But I told them in a way that I told them it might take a year that you're going to lose money for a year maybe because a lot of your main stars, a lot of your guys, a lot of people will fall and test positive. It, will, it might hurt the image of the sport. But after a year, people will be, uh, will be scared and it will put back everything straight. I, said, I told them, and like, we had a big discussion on that, but they were like, oh, really? You really think so? They said that to me. But I do believe they know. I, I believe they, they pretend they didn't know, but I believe they do know that it's an issue. So now they're, uh, they're partnered with USADA, and it's been several months. Are, are you comfortable with where things are? Do you think enough is being done? Like, in this climate, could you come back, or do you still think more needs to be done? Look, look, uh, my friend, uh, look at real man. This, this is the thing, okay? This, I've got to tell you the truth. Please. Look, uh, uh, Okay, I read a lot of, uh, you know, I, 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 when you, 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 USADA get involved, I didn't say anything. Yeah. People ask me what I think. I think it was a good, a good, uh, good idea. And, and, and it's better than it was 
it would never be perfect, but it's better than it was. It is better than it was. But is it the best that they can do? I'm not sure about that. You know, is it the best they can do? They say it is the best, the higher uh, standard and da-da-da. I would like, because these things need, need, need to be public. They need to make, to make it public. Who they test, what, what, who tests positive, because there is false positive. There is people that test false positive, and you need to know why. Who tests, who tests, and what do they test. They need to be public, and it's not public. And, and uh, I think there's a pr- the, the problem in here, you know what I mean? Is it better? Yes, it's better. But it's not perfect. And it will never be perfect. But it, if it's in terms of the best standard, no, it's not the best standard. And, and, um, but it, 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 it is still better. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think that there's a lot of... Uh, it, it, it has improved a lot, but it's not the, the best thing. And I, I read a lot of things. And I don't want, you know, I don't say any name. Just go on uh, Google. It's easy. You can read wonderful article. Go on Google and uh, just have to, to read uh, uh, um, USADA uh, controversy, USADA uh, boxing controversy, and you'll find a lot of very interesting stuff. So I, I don't want to say any name. You're a smart guy. Yes. People are, you're, uh, you're, you're, uh, uh, the people that, that is listening are smart people. Go read about that. You'll find out. You'll find some very surprising stuff and evidence that have occurred, and you'll you'll see. Yeah, I believe uh, some of those articles written on on this very website. SB and you'll Nation. understand what I, what I'm saying. You'll you'll mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying when I when I'm talking about the highest standard. When you were in Montreal doing the media day before UFC 186, you said something very interesting that not a lot of people caught. Uh, you, you were ta- you were asked about Reebok, and you said, you know. If I came back, that might be a potential problem. What, what did you mean by that? Would you not be in favor of, of being a part of the Reebok deal if you fought again? Look, I, I don't know the Reebok deal. I, 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 um, my contract is different than people's contract. I have a great team. I'm lucky. I have a great team of management that, behind me. Just the only thing I have to say, my, my contract is different than, than people's contract. Mm. And um, I cannot really make comment on that because, uh, you know, my sponsors issue and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I just say that it's different. My contract is different than most people. Is that something that could stop you from coming back? I could stop maybe UFC from mm. having me coming back. Okay. Have you talked to them about this potential issue when they met with you in Montreal, when they sat? No, with- it's not my job. I, I'm... I'm, when, I, when I'm competing, I'm, my job is to fight in the octagon. I have a, a, a team that fights for me on legal right, on, on, uh, on business right. And this is not my fight. This is my, my, uh, my management fight. Right. And they're, trust me, they're the, I'm confident I have the best in the world in that, in that regard. I, I, uh, I agree. A very great team. Um, by the way, uh, when they came to offer you a fight at 186, did they offer you an opponent? When they, I'm sorry, what day they say? Remember when they came to meet with you in Montreal and they asked you to fight on the, on the card in Montreal last year or earlier this year? Did they ever a- actually offer you an opponent? Did, did a name come out or was it just, are you interested in coming back? Not really. I, it was mostly, uh, I didn't really remember. It was a text message, I believe, from Dana. I said, you want to come back? I said, no. I said, not, not ready, no. I don't think it was an opponent. It's not a... It's not a I don't remember what was the, the text, 
I didn't keep kept it. Sure. But it was a, like, uh, hey, you want to fight in Montreal or something like that? I, I you know, I, I didn't care who it was. If it would be a a, a three foot uh, midget or, uh, <laughs> for example, the best fighter in the world, I didn't care. I, I just was not ready. I was I was uh, not ready for for fighting. Right. When you fight, you have to put your yourself into a mind a, sta- a state of mind, and I was not there yet. Uh, Rory McDonald said last month that if you come back, it's for super fights and not the belt. And everyone thought, or he said when, and he sort of misspoke and everyone went crazy. Is that true? Are you only interested in super fights or do you want to actually try to get the belt back if you do come back? No, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know if I want the belt or a super fight. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. And things are moving so much right now. Uh, and, and one thing for sure, there, there's a few guys that I will never fight. And it's not a question of money, uh, money. It's a question of integrity and it's friendship. There's guys that I'm friends with and I'm training that I would never fight. Rory is one of them. I would never fight Rory. I would never fight like guys like Rashad Evans. He's a friend. He's like a brother for me. Rashad. Uh, I've been. I know him for too long. I know know the family. His family. Uh, you know what I mean. You know. You know my family and. We're friends. The guys like this, I would never fight. Tom Breeze, you know, t- guys like, yeah. like this, I wouldn't. Even if they asked me $10 million, I would not fight. I would never fight. When I was watching 189, I saw what happened to Rory. He was so close to getting that belt. It was such a devastating loss. I kept thinking, I wonder what George is thinking right now. Seeing your friend, someone that you sort of brought along, you took under your wing, you know, kind of stumble at the last minute. He was so close to getting that belt. Was that difficult for you to watch? Yeah, it was hard to watch. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I, I, I do believe he was uh, winning the fight. Um, yeah. I believe he was ahead in the scorecard, and uh, and you know it's it just sad. You know, I, I I was I was watching the fight. It was a great fight, by the way. And um, I believe Rory is the first tour of the division. He's still very young. We you know sometimes uh, sometimes it's it's it, 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 it just not your. Your time, you know, it, it, it was just like maybe you zig when you should have zag and you got caught. And uh, I believe he will be champion. Maybe it was not just at the moment now, but I do believe he will be champion one day. Uh, three last quick things, if I may. If Carlos Condit wins on January 2nd, does that drastically change your decision? Because you've often said that he beat you up worse than anyone. And I, I, I kind of feel from your interviews that that's where things started to change. Like you, you needed a long break after what Carlos did. You won the fight, but he hit you with some tough shots. He was unorthodox. Do you not want to go through that again? So if he wins, does that really make you think about things? It will make me think differently, but I just don't know. It, it, you know, when you fight a guy like Carlos, let's say you would fight a guy like Johnny, you would fight a guy on, on like uh, Robbie, you have to put yourself through a different mindset because you're going through different opponents with different strength. It's different, you know, and they, everybody has different att- attributes and different quality and different physicality. And, uh, yeah, it's different, but I, it does, I don't know if it has. I don't think, it doesn't, I don't, no, at the time of affecting my decision, if I will come back or not, I just don't know. The MMA world is going. You're, you're a good, uh, you're a good interviewer, uh, Ariel. You you kept asking me the same question with in a different way. You're a very slick, slick person, very slick guy. <laughs> well, thank you, George. This isn't our first interview, by the way, so I'm sure you, uh, unless you notice. <laughs> I know. I, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But you're smart. I see you. But I see you coming from different angles. It's, uh, it's very smart. It's like a fight, right? You got to keep moving. You got to keep going from exactly. different angles. <laughs> a little jab I here. My, I, keep my, I, keep, 
I keep my hands up and, and moving around. You know, I'm not getting hit by you. You know, you try you try different ways, uh, but uh, I see you coming. You're uh, uh, you're a slick guy. J'apprécie mon ami. Uh, okay, so let me ask you this: uh, Sage Northcutt. Everyone's going crazy over him. He said, "I want to meet George St. Pierre. I want to go to TriStar." We saw pictures of you two training together. What do you make of Sage Northcutt? Yeah, he's very he's very good. He's great. Very good athlete. Uh, Great raw raw talent, you know, and uh, he's uh, now with with technique, and he's he's he surrounds himself by great people, you know, his dad and he he's a karate background uh, guy, and um, I think he's gonna be great. He's gonna he's gonna have a great future. He's he's got a great mentality, uh, good work ethic. Um, Seems to me like he have a, has a, a lot of pride, which is very important for a fighter. Having He has a lot of pride. He's a very proud person, which is very important. That's what makes make you strong. So uh, I think he's going to be a, a, a great, great uh, fighter. Perhaps He's already a great fighter, but he's yeah. going to become uh, one of the force in his division. Perhaps uh, reminds you of a young George St. Pierre? Yeah, but... Uh, Sage Narcut is Sage Narcut. I'm right. George Champier. George Champier is George Champier. He's good at what he do. I'm good at what I did. So we we are different people. Fair enough. Okay. Last thing, George. This is what Dana White said to the Los Angeles Times recently. Quote, it'd be great if George comes back. Yes, I love George St. Pierre. Amazing athlete. But comeback talk, I laugh at it. To be a world champion, you have to be hungry. That's not GSP. Not even close. End quote. Are you hungry? Yeah, it's different ways of being hungry. Um, that you can be, and it's a good, it's a good illustration. People, people like I'm doing promotion for the new movie of of uh, Sylvester Stallone. The movie, um, the, the movie Creed. They, they explain it uh, about it. That you know, like you, you can be poor. And, uh, you know, like, have nothing in your life and be hungry. This is a way of being hungry. But it, you can be rich and, and be hungry as well because, you, you're, you know, there, there's different ways of being hungry. It doesn't mean if you're, if you're wealthy and stuff, you're, you're not hungry. You understand what I mean? Yeah. There's different ways of being hungry. And I, can, I still can be hungry in a way. I can be still hungry than more. I can't even be more hungry than people that have nothing. You know what I mean? Sure. Because I have a lot to lose. I have so much to lose that I'm scared of losing it and I don't want to lose it because of my pride. When I'm talking about the, the pride, the pride is my, most, is my most important strength. I'm a very proud person. And I would never want to go back and make a fool of myself and be humiliated because I'm a very proud guy. So, uh, because I have so much to lose, that that's what's going to make me hungry and uh, be willing to do better than, 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 than anyone. You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it, there's different ways of being hungry. It's not only a guy that is poor as nothing, he needs to be hungry. Because they know why, you, you know, I, I think you see it from this perspective, but as a fighter, you can ask. Yeah, there's different ways of being hungry. May, uh, Floyd Mayweather is hungry. He's winning because he's hungry because he's a proud guy. He's very proud you know what I mean? Yeah. George, a, p- a pleasure as always. Thank you so much. This is an honor for me. Anytime I get to, to talk to you, it's, it's, it's a huge pleasure and honor. So thank you very much for the time today. And please, if you, if you do make a decision of any kind, 
you can come back to your friend and uh, we'll talk about it here on the show. I'd love to, I'd love to, to talk Thank to you, you about that. All right. Thank you, Ray. There he is, George St. Pierre. Some answers. Some questions still linger, but always great to hear from him. Okay, let's move along. Uh, you, you talk about honors. You talk about legends of the sport. None bigger than our next guest. How about this? Back-to-back going from George St. Pierre to the one and only Mirko Krokop, who joins us right now via the phone. Mirko, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Thank you very much for the time. I apologize for the delay. We got a little bit uh, backed up, but again, thank you for your patience and the time. So a lot of people... No, no, it, it, it was very interesting. Uh, I was listening for the last five minutes, you know, your, your discussion with uh, George Sampier. It was very interesting, the thing that he was saying, you know. Do you agree with him? About pride and about being hunger and and the different, different ways of of being, uh, what does it mean, hung, uh, are you hungry or not, you know, there are so many different ways to be hungry, you know, and uh, very interesting, uh, he gave some very interesting answers. So I- I'm wondering, because here you are, you, you, you are now retired, do you, do you sort of agree with him that, uh, you know, that hunger, maybe not the physical hunger, but the hunger to compete, to go out there, to put your life and career on the line, that's, that's no longer there for you anymore, you lost that. Definitely, no, 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 de- definitely I agree with him, you know, so, so many different way, ways of being hungry, you know, hungry, you know, some people are motivated, uh, especially in the beginning, you know, they have no money, you know, they want, they want to make a career, they want to make name, uh, they want to make money, but uh, that's very good motive, you know, that's very good, but, but sometimes you are hungry and you don't want to lose your pride, you know, and uh, I think it's, 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 it's a stronger motive than just being hungry, you know, physically. So let's talk about and your situation. I, 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 I understand what George Sampier sure. uh, was, 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 was talking about. I can understand it. So around three weeks ago, uh, you came out and, and surprised it's three weeks tomorrow. You came out and you wrote a, a post on your website saying that you were out of your fight against Anthony Hamilton and that you were walking away from the sport uh, you know, the injuries had caught up. You, you just can't do it anymore. And then after that, USADA comes out and says that you failed your drug test. And then you come out and have to respond to that and say that you told them that you had to, you know, use certain substances because you had a shoulder injury. And then they come out and, and, and suspend you for two years. How much does it bother you that it all went down this way, that if this truly is the end of Mirko Krokop's legendary career, it happens like this? Listen, uh... That's true, you know. I had I had a, a serious injury uh, of my shoulder, you know. But it, it, it's not only thing, you know. And uh, I have I have a broken muscle in a in a in a shoulder and uh, tendon. There was a big question: Is tendon in the shoulder is going to be broken or not, you know? And I just couldn't take a risk, and it was too painful for me. And uh, I was definitely, I was definitely, uh, no, I wasn't able to fight, you know. And. Uh, after Gonzaga fight, I also had an injury, you know, and uh, of course I didn't, I didn't talk about it. That, that's part of the job, you know. I had uh, during uh, Gonzaga preparations, I, I uh, injured my knee again, again, you know, and uh, I had already four surgeries on my right knee, which uh, caused me a lot of trouble, you know, especially on the training because when I'm, when I'm kicking, I'm kicking with my left, I'm kicking with, with both legs on the training actually you know but uh, in the fight 90% of the kicks I throw with uh, with the left one and when you kick when you kick with the left one you have to rotate your body on the on the on the right one and uh, 
it was a huge pressure for my knee because my my, my uh, it would it would be much easier if I injured my uh, left leg, my left knee. Mm-hmm. You know, then I'm kicking with that leg and I feel I feel no 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 pressure, no problem. But since my left since my right one was injured, you know, and every time after every training. Uh, my knee gets swollen, you know, and I had to put ice and ice and ice. And you, some, somewhere during preparation, I don't know, I, I, I can't tell the moment, uh, I felt that my, my knee was swollen all the time, you know, and after, I didn't, I didn't want to check it before the fight, and after the fight I went it and a uh, piece of, piece of, 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 of uh, is it, I don't, I don't know how to say it in English, piece of, uh, not menisk, but piece of something was floating in the knee, and they had to. Uh, it wasn't actually real surgery, you know. And uh, I went my, I, I went in the morning uh, to the hospital, and they put me to sleep. They they cut, they cut, uh, they cut the knee, and they took it out, and uh, they stitch it. I wake up, and same evening I went home, you know. But uh, so many small injuries, and I also injured my tendon, tendon in, on my on my uh, on my right on my right uh, uh, leg. And uh, that's why I, I wasn't able to, to, to take the fight during summer because UFC offered me a fight uh, 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 July or August, and I said, at, I, I can take it uh, earliest, I can take it beginning of, of uh, December, uh, of December, of October. Mm-hmm. And uh, it happened that I, I and they scheduled me to fight the end of November, and uh, I make it. Too too long. There was a too long break between fights. I had to wait eight eight months, you know, and and it's it's such a long period for a fighter in my age, you know. And uh, I was training, you know, I was training uh, right after Gonzaga fight. I took one week off. I went for the surgery, but you know, but I was riding a bicycle. The two weeks later, I was start starting with with the, with the jogging, uh, uh, with the pull ups, uh, with uh, so many different things. But I didn't do wrestling, you know. And when the, when I start with the preparation for this fight, and I I start of course with uh, two trainings a day, two trainings a day, and after after seven or ten days, my 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 shoulder was. Uh, Simple. It, it was over, over, over trained. You know, over trained, and uh, muscle was broken. And uh, it was a question: Is 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 MR shows that uh, my tendon was very close to be broken? And uh, and of course, in the meantime, I took. I didn't have a time. I didn't have time to 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 make some uh, uh, to make calls b- before because if I announced that I will that on a doctor's uh, recommendation I will try I will take some growth hormone to try to heal, it would be okay. You know, but I did. I, you know, it takes time, and I, I was, I didn't have, I didn't have that, that luxury time. And uh, they came to test me, and I, I said, I took it, and you took it, but you didn't, you didn't ask for permission, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm full of injury, and uh, definitely I, w- I wouldn't be able to fight. And to to wait another five, six months to to the next fight, you know, when you are 41, I, I, I'm just not able to make. Such a long, uh, such a long break between two fights, you know. So eight, I had to wait all month, uh, eight months already, and right. uh, four, five, six months more than a year to make a break between two fights. I will, I, I will injure myself again, you know. I cannot, I cannot force myself to train like crazy to ma- to maintain my my, my the, the level of of my body shape, not to be injured when the real preparation starts, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, I had a. Uh, 
79 professional fights, K1 Pride and uh, and UFC, and uh, I think I think it's enough. You know, I think it's enough. I turned I turned uh, 41 and two months ago, and uh, I enter in 42, and I'm really full of such a such a injuries, you know, and like like a knee, like those tendons, like uh, I had problem with discus hernia two years ago, and uh, training doesn't make me happy anymore, you know. Training doesn't make me happy anymore, and I think that that's the best solution. At the end of the day, every man every man uh, comes to uh, to his end to his end, you know, and uh, I think. That, that's the smartest decision for me. You know, I, I'm, I just don't. I just don't want to 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 go on the training unhappy, and uh, I don't want to to do a special warming warming uh, for the shoulder, for the knees, and uh, to put some hot creams uh, to warm it up to to avoid another injuries. You know, and uh, I think I had enough. I think I had enough. I had a long and uh, successful career, and uh, but it it got to stop one day. You know. Of course, it, it is still shock for me, and uh, but uh, that's life. That's life, and uh, I think definitely that is the best best decision for me. So to be clear, even if they didn't come to test you, the injuries, all that stuff, you wouldn't have been able to fight in Seoul, right? It had nothing no, to I, do with the test. Yeah, I, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely cancel that fight because uh, last time I fought uh, seriously, I fought. With, with injuries so many times, you know, but last, last time I fought seriously injured, uh, it, was, uh, it was against Roy Nelson, you know. I fought with, uh, uh, Pat Berry was on the, uh, on the preparation with me, you know, and we, we had some sparring, you know, and I throw a hook, I throw a hook and, uh, and I, I felt a pain in my biceps, you know, and okay, let, let's keep going, let's keep going, I throw another one and I felt terrible pain. And uh, my biceps was broken, and uh, and uh, tendon was also also broken, and it was separated from the from the bone, hmm. and uh, it it is serious injury, serious. But it happened it happened uh, seven days. It was last sparring, last sparring, last round of the last sparring during preparation. Unbelievable! Hmm. What what a jinx! Right. And uh, and uh, and I decided to fight anyway. Even even doctor said that I won't be able to, uh, to control my arm, etc., etc. But I decided to fight because I, I uh, same same situation happened, you know. And I had to. I was waiting for six, seven months. I was preparing myself seven months for that fight, you know, since my last one. And uh, I just I just did, did, didn't want to lose that fight and to wait another five six months because I knew I was aware that I had to go for surgery, and you know uh, that I, I will be out for next what. At least, at least five, six months, you know. And uh, but I took it. I took my, I took my chances. It was a smart decision. And I said to myself, never again, I will, I won't fight if I'm not 100% ready. Never, never again. And now again, you know. And uh, it will take me a few months to, 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 to heal everything, you know, that I can start with easy things. But it's such a long period for me, you know. And uh, when I compare it with 2004 in Pride, I had eight fights. Mm. Fighting, fighting uh, keeps me sharp. Right. Fighting keeps me sharp. That's that's we know. You know, uh, I finish the fight. I, I take one. If, if I'm not injured, but most likely I I, I wasn't injured during the fight. And uh, one week rest, 
one week easy trains, and then I start six weeks for the preparation. It's maximum two months. Uh, maximum two months is uh, two months with, between two fights is is a perfect is a perfect uh, for me. In 2004, I had exactly eight fights, um, and I was out. I was in a good shape, you know, and uh, it it it. it it was keeping me out of injury, you know, because if you make a, such a long, at least my body function like that. I don't know. Maybe some fighters are, are good, are okay with that, but I don't like it, you know, to make to make such a long, such a long break between two fights, you know. I ju- just like to take one week off. Easy, one week mean I mean easy training, you know, just some uh, stretching and, and jogging, and then one week a little bit harder, and then start with with the preparation six six weeks. Of reparations and that's it, you know. It, it, that's the best. That's how my function. Uh, that, that's how my body functions the best, you know. And uh, but of course, UFC is different, you know. Too many fighters on the roster, and they they're not able to offer the, that uh, that many fights, you know. Even I got to say, they offer me to fight the fight uh, 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 July or August. You know, I talked with them, but I, I couldn't take the fight because of the injury of the pre, of the injury I had knee. Surgery, but it was okay. Knee was okay, but the tendon, tendon in the leg was uh, was really painful, you know. Because during the fight with Mozaga, I think you, I think you, you, you saw it. Uh, Mozaga tried to to do submission, some leg lock or whatever, you know, and he caught it good. He, he, he but of course I, I escaped, you know. I, I, I felt nothing then. But next morning when I wake up, you know, I wasn't able to walk normally, you know. Nothing was broken. Nothing was broken, but. Uh, I guess tendon was was seriously stretched, and uh, it was very painful, very painful. Believe it or not, I, st- I still feel it. Oh. N- not not that much, you know, but uh, I still feel he, he, I still feel pain, pain uh, during training, you know. Especially especially if I'm the bottom one, and if I if I if I have to close the guard, and if 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 my opponent or sparring partner tries to open the guard, off, oh, it is so painful for me still, still. So I think you know and. Uh, when business doesn't doesn't make you happy, in, if trainings are, are, are not a joy anymore, if, if it is too much pain involved, I think this is the best solution for me. Believe me, it was, it was a hard decision, but I think best for me. Considering how, how proud you are uh, as a person and as an athlete, does it bother you that it ended this way, that you know all this stuff happened at the end and you, you couldn't go out on your own terms? Does, does, that, does that upset you? No, that listen, listen. This is that's life, you know. This is a violent sport, and uh, in the most of the cases, the, the the end is violent, you know. You you leave the sport either either uh, from injury, some serious injury, or you, you lost three or four fights in a row, and your employer your your employer doesn't want to give you any more fights, you know. Right. That's that's said through. That's said through about the sport, you know. That's true, you know. Is, is it injury or or, or or you or you will lose three or four fights and you you, you will get fired, and uh, but but that's the law. That's the law in our sport, and that's how it works, you know. Of course, it would it would be the best if I could if I could uh, finish all three fights in the contract, you know, with with uh, three victories, you know, and then. After after the last fight in the cage, okay, guys, listen, this is this was my last fight. I will fight never again. And I, but 
but it's 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 it's, it's not that it's not it's, it's it's not it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. I, actually, I, I don't know who who. Actually, who who say goodbye that way? You know, most of the people get injured or they lost the fight, you know, and they are forced to to retire. And uh, I was lucky. I was I, uh, I I'm living with a, with a, with a, with a big victory, you know. And uh, since I left UFC and I had uh, 13 fights, uh, 13 fights, and uh, I was very successful. I won K1 in the meantime, and I returned. I returned uh, in UFC. I had a rematch with Gonzaga, which, which was a very important fight for me. And uh, I went in Japan and uh, I beat two times uh, their Japanese champion, you know. And uh, I fought for a title against Satoshi. She, I beat him twice with TKO. And uh, what else? What else I can ask? You know, what else I can ask? So okay, so you know. Your career is, uh, is 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 a legendary one. There's no doubt about it. And and you know we, the way we talk about you and the way, when you look back, is there anything that you didn't do? Is there anything that you said? Ah, if I could have done that one thing, fought that one guy. Is there anything? Because I feel like you kind of did it all. You just sort of outlined it. Is there anything that comes to mind? Oh no, not 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 really, not really. I'm no regrets. Really. I no regrets. No. What's the use? What's the use of, of, of regretting? You know, I, I don't, I'm not that type of a person that will regret anything. You know, what's the use of, 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 of feeling sorry for something? You know, that you cannot change. I'm practical. I'm a practical person, and uh, no regrets. You know, of course, I would like. I would like to. I would like to change every loss I had. Yeah. I, I would like to try to change it into the victory, of course. But uh, listen, this is that's life. This is violent sport. Uh, I, I fought and I compete with the top fighters on the planet, you know. And you can't, you can't win each each fight. That's the law. That's the law in this sport, you know. And uh, younger fighters are coming and coming, new talents, and uh, it's impossible. It's impossible to stay untouched in, in, in this. But I had, I'm proud of my, of my career, and I have a really long career, and uh, and uh, I'm proud of my, I'm proud of myself because. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm in, in a certain way, self, self-made fighter. You know, I had never big camp, big coaches, and uh, I came from kickboxing, not not from some. some it, it was very hard for me, you know, to to learn how to survive on the ground. It was very hard for me to learn how to do grappling, how to do uh, so many things that I, I never met before. You know, I was I was I was a kickboxer. You know, I was competing in K1 and. Uh, and but uh, MMA is completely different thing. But I find I found strength, and I found energy, and uh, I was very patient, and I was I was I was I was learning a lot, you know, from the top, from the top experts on that field. You know, I, I, so many people from Brazil came to. I was paying I was paying instructions for, to the people. For, uh, at the end of the day, I was I was training with Fabrizio for two, he was he was staying in my apartment for two years. We were, we, we were training together, and it was great time, you know. And I have a lot of great memories, and uh, I really I really I don't regret for anything, you know. You mentioned earlier that uh, you're still kind of in shock over all of this. You know, three weeks later, almost. No, How- not, not, not because of this. Because any time when my, I was, I was aware that my retirement will come soon. Right. You know, because 
due to the so many injuries. Believe me, I, I'm not able. I'm not able to drive a car longer than 20 minutes. Wow. I have a terrible pain in in, in the tendons, and nothing can change. Nothing can change. I was I was trying to. I was searching for help in the best polyclinics in Europe. You know, and uh, some uh, some of them are. The, one of them is one of the best in the world. Uh, and but uh, it's. Too many, too many, uh, too many damage, you know. Too many damage, and of course, every, all of them said, when you, when you, when you uh, decrease the level of your training, pain will, pain will, pain will, will gone, you know. Mm. And of course, uh, I'm not able to do high kicks anymore. I will have to, I will have to skip. I will keep training, you know. After New Year, when I recover completely, you know, I don't want to get new injury. So far. Uh, this morning was my first training. I was I was doing just just a, a bicycle, you know, wow. and and some and some stretching. You know, I, I'm not able to do anything with the upper part of my body because whatever I do is it is it is it pull-ups, is it push-ups, is it is it bench press, whatever it it uh, it includes the shoulder, shoulder. I just I just need I just need to to, to rest it and to heal it completely. But uh, I will start training after New Year definitely, and uh, I will do anything everything you know. I will, I will, I will doing uh, the same, same, uh, same type of trainings, you know. But of course, only once a day. And uh, the worst thing for me is that I, I will have to stop doing high kicks. So w- high kicks, uh, it, 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 it stretches my, my, my tendons, and uh, it creates a lot of pain to me, unfortunately. What I'm wondering is how are you dealing with the idea that you'll never fight again? Like Mirko Krokop, to me, is this. This it, figure, it's like, why, did you cry? Was it? T- I'm, 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 listen, that's why I'm telling you, uh, I'm in shock. Yeah, I'm in shock, you know, and uh, I, I still, I'm, I still, I still don't go to sleep before three o'clock in the morning because so many things going through my head, and uh, it's not, of course, <laughs> it's not about financial. It's not about sure. financial, and uh, uh, thank God I'm, I'm, I'm secure, man, but. Uh, that's my life, you know, and uh, that's the only life I, I knew so far, you know. Trainings in the morning, training in the evening, and uh, traveling all around the world to fight. That that was my my uh, my life last twenty years, you know. And when you when you stop it, when you stop it, and uh, everybody got to stop once. Everybody, you know. That's. <laughs> That's how we. That we are just a human, nothing, nothing more. You know, I'm not a robot or something, and uh, it's a shock. You know, it's a shock. E- even I was aware that I was, I, 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 I was fighting for 20 years. It's a, it's a, such a long career, so many fights. You know, at the end of the at the end of the day, uh, I had so many injuries. You know, I collected nine surgeries. If I don't count, if I don't count this last one, I don't count it as a real surgery, you know, they just cut, they just cut, took it out of the knee, you know, that piece of, that piece of something that was floating and creating a lot of uh, problems to me. And, uh, or, or, if, or if you want to count it, that, then it's, it's F surgery, you know, and it's a lot, you know, it's a lot. And especially, you know, problem with tendons, which, which can be solved only with a less intensity of training, you know. If, if I'm going to keep training twice a day, if there will be involved a lot of high kicks because I have to train, that, that that's my trademark, that's my specialty, and uh, pain won't go. You know, I, I don't want to train to train. I don't want to fight uh, under under pain, and uh, 
So definitely this is the best best decision for me. So what do you think you're going to do take, now? It will take time, you know, maybe maybe one year, maybe year and a half I will recover completely, you know, right. but I don't think I don't think, you know, people always say never say never. But you know, in in age of 43 I don't think it's it's a realistic option that I will be back and fight. So so Especially, so you know, young young fighters fighters are coming and uh, at the end of the day in the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, you have to think about your health. Even, even it's, it's, it sounds uh, funny when, when, when MMA fighters talking about yeah. health, you know, but that's true, you know, that's true. What do you think you're going to do for the rest of your life? What kind of jobs? I what, would what, like, what, what do you think why I cannot sleep until three o'clock in the morning? <laughs> that's, that's one of the, I, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. I was planning, I was planning, I didn't publish it yet, but I'm telling you now, uh, these days I will publish that I will, after New Year, when I, when I recover and I take a rest, uh, I, will, I, will, I will do some seminars uh, in Croatia. Mm. Uh, kickboxing or MMA clubs, they will make, uh, uh, if they call me, I will come there, do a seminar for free in Croatia, for free. And uh, I don't know. The worst, the worst, biggest problem for me will be how to kill time. You know, training in the morning—that's okay. And how to kill the rest of the rest of, of 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 the day? I don't know. I still don't know. But I I, I think I will figure I figure I will figure something out. Um, do you, was it all worth it to you? You know, with the injuries and everything, do you, do you still feel like the whole career was worth it? Would you do it all over again? Oh, I, of course, of course. MMA and kickboxing, uh, martial arts is is, is 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 something special, and uh, MMA and kickboxing too is the most beautiful sport on the planet for me. Even it, it is dangerous, it is violent, but uh, I just love it. You know, I just love it, and I definitely I I I would I would go to the same the same way again if I could if I if, if I had a chance of course it won't happen then nobody can return the time but uh, you know what I mean uh, by the way did you happen to see uh, Holly Holm a couple of weeks ago knock out Ronda Rousey with a head kick that you know yeah, kind of looked like vintage Crow Cop what did you think of that well uh, it was it was a great performance to be honest you know and uh, I have never seen uh, uh, Holy Home fights before. I, I heard, I heard before, for I heard before the fight that she was a, a, a professional box, a boxer. Yeah. And uh, that, she, she, but I thought, I thought, honestly, I thought it would be an. But I, I, I haven't seen the girl fighting, you know. But I thought it would be just another easy fight for for Ronda. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turned to be a disaster for Honda, you know. And she, Holly Holm, did did it really good, you know. And she dominated, you know. If it if it happened after one minute or two minutes of, the, in 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 the first or second minute of the fight, you know, people could say, you know, hey, she was lucky, you know. And uh, but uh, she she had complete domination, you know, for the first for the, especially in the first round. They went on the ground, she survived, and uh, my congratulations to Holly Holm. It was really. Really, something special, especially that high kick. You know, she she, she caught her very good, and she not she not not found out. That's 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 the name of the of the business. You know, that's how it works in our business. You're not concentrating hundred percent. You make small mistake, and you pay it with a sleeping on the ground. 
Um, just wanted to yeah, ask you. That's true, you know? It is 100% true. Um, a couple more things that will let you go, and thank you so much for the time. This has been unbelievable for us to have you on the show. Uh, before you got injured, before the news came out, you wrote, and I want to clear this up, that you were a little upset that you couldn't wear the the checker box on your shorts because of the Reebok deal. Is that true? And and how much did you try to get that to be you know to be allowed by the yeah, UFC? Yeah, I, I I talked with UFC, but you know. UFC was more than correct, I got to say. There was more than correct, and uh, they they just couldn't allow me to to wear to wear it. You know, it it was it was my trademark. And and now when I look at you know, so I was when I look at you know, and uh, from uh, from the, from the position that I had, I I had the checkers in every fight. You know, maybe you know, maybe some higher force didn't wanted me. You know, wanted me mm. to fight without them. You know, wow. I'm not. I'm not some uh, you know religious lunatic or something. <laughs> you know, but uh, maybe it just it just happened. Uh, it, it just happened like that. You know, and I then if I could put if I could put Croatia flag. You know, and uh, but they they didn't allow it. You know, but there was more than correct explaining if they allowed it to me. They we have to allow to every other fight. I understand this is business. You know, they signed UFC has a contact with Reebok, and that's something that. Uh, it's something that I have to respect, you know. And uh, but uh, I would I would feel definitely strange, you know. I would feel definitely strange to fight without that, and uh, it turned that I won't fight at all, you know. And uh, maybe maybe <laughs> maybe maybe that is some message for me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I I want to say again, I'm not some some lunatic or religious lunatic or something, you know. But maybe this is the best way for me. So, like I said, you've had a, a legendary career. If there's ever an MMA Hall of Fame, your first ballot, you've given us so many great memories. When you think back on your career, is there a fight, a moment, a conversation, something that sticks out as your favorite? Is is there one night that sticks out when you think back on your unbelievable Hall of Fame, legendary career? I keep keep saying that over and over. There's no other way to say it. Is there one moment that sticks out above the rest? It's, it's it's really hard to say. I like every fight, you know. I, I was bleeding, and I was sweating for every fight. I was I I went to the to the bloody preparations for every, each each of them, you know. But of course, some fights will be bigger than others. Uh, fight like uh, like my fight with Fedor, and uh, which is consider which is considered as uh, one of the best as one of the best fighter fights in 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 a heavyweight history and. Uh, of course, my my participation in Pride Grand Prix uh, in 2006, I won, I won, I won, won the champion, championship, and uh, I'm very proud of, on the winning the K1 Grand Prix two years ago in Zagreb. You know, and uh, three fights in one night. It's it's a, it's a very hard. It's very hard, and uh, I was very happy. You know, to to that if my career had to end, that it ended up with a fight against Gonzaga, you know, and uh, it was it was it was it, it it was good and it was tough fight, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, I finished him with elbows, you know. I never I, I never did it before, you know, and uh, it was a special night for me too. Many to choose from, of course. Uh, is there is there something you're gonna miss? The crowd. The arenas, the training. What are you going to miss the most? Uh, most likely, oh, I, will, I will, I will, I will, I will be in the training. 
I will stay. I will stay in the gym, you know, and I will train. And uh, I will train my son. My son is 13, and he's uh, he's really talented. He's really talented, uh, and uh, I will I will invest my energy into him, you know, and uh, I will teach him how to fight. He's already he's doing wrestling and jujitsu now. Oh wow! I, was, I already started before, you know, with the stand up with him. He's also southpaw like me, and uh, he throws. He can throw high kick like crazy, you know. He's just 13 years old, and uh, but he's a, he's a big he's a big boy for for his age. He's a big boy. He's uh, almost almost 70 kilograms, you know, and uh, 175 centimeters tall. I don't know how you calculate it in inch, and but uh, for his age, he's enormously strong, you know. And uh, even even to, to be honest, I, I wouldn't like him to 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 went to, to the same way like I did, you know. It's 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 a bloody sport and it's it's very hard for parents, especially for me. I know I know what does it mean and I'm aware of 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 everything that is that is part of the job, you know, and how dangerous it can be. I wouldn't I wouldn't like to to see my boy fighting, you know. But if he if he finds himself into the and if if he decides that he will fight, and of course I will support him, and I believe that he will have a great coach. And uh, but once again, I hope he won't. I hope he won't. I would like him to 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 uh, to go to train with me and to to be a, a, a martial art expert, you know. And uh, but just just for 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 his health, just for him to be more confident and etc. Uh, etc. Et but I, I I wouldn't like him to to start. <laughs> Earning money like like his father did, you know. And, but if he decides to do it, I will support him. Of course, I had a, so my my parents supported me, even it was very hard for them. And uh, but I would like him to 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 finish the college and uh, to do something something different, you know, than I did. Well, Mirko, uh, thank you so much. Thank you for this interview. I know you don't like to do a lot of interviews, so it means the world to me that you'd come on the show. Thank you for all the great fights, the great memories. Uh, a huge part of mixed martial arts history and kickboxing history. And I think for a lot of people my age, you're a major reason why we fell in love with this sport. So I can't thank you enough for all those memories, for sacrificing your body, and for, for just being an unbelievable fighter to watch. Some of those fights, I mean, I'll never forget them. So truly a, a heartfelt thank you from me and the rest of the MMA community. I hope this isn't the last time I get a chance to speak to you, but uh, what an honor this has been. I, I really, truly, sincerely thank you for coming on the show, and I wish you all the best. I hope you get well soon, you get healthy soon, and you can you know, resume your life in a, in a nice manner, and, and uh, we can see you, know, you training people and things of that nature. That's fine with me. Just knowing that you're happy is, uh, I think, for a lot of fans, a very important thing. So again, thank you very much. Enjoy retirement, and hopefully I'll get hey, a chance yeah, to talk to you soon. Thank you very soon. much. What, what else I can say? And thank you, for, thank you very much for this warm, warm words you, you just said. And, uh, and uh, I have no words. I have no words anymore. Thank you very much, Ariel. Okay. Thank you, Mirko. All the best to you. There he is, the one and only Mirko Krokop, uh, stopping by from Croatia. Uh, there is uh, there is only one Mirko. There will only be one Mirko. Uh, I remember back in the day, I mean, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I'd be interviewing him under these circumstances, I mean, I'd say you're crazy. This guy was truly one of those figures that, in my opinion, was larger than life. I mean, this guy was the scariest mofo in the world. Those, those, those head kicks, uh, his demeanor, 
You know, you you look at that famous clip with Mauro Ranallo when they they punked him. That was a scary man. You do not want to walk down an alley anywhere in the world and see Mirko Krokop. He was one of the most feared strikers in the history of the sport. If you have never seen those fights, it's great that we have Fight Pass now. You can probably watch all of them. Uh, the, the guy that came in the UFC wasn't quite the same, but gave us some amazing memories as well along the way. I uh, remember the, the fight with Pat Barry. And, and, of course, it ends this way on a very sour note. But let's not forget that the, the moment that really sort of changed everything for Mirko was the knockout against Gabriel Gonzaga. And he got that one back at the end. And that has to feel good. He got that one back in Poland not that long ago. Pretty amazing. All the best to him. What a great honor that was. Now let's go from one former kickboxing champion to the current glory heavyweight champion, the man who will be defending his title this Friday on ESPN3. It airs here in the United States at 4 p.m. Eastern from Amsterdam. There is a replay this Sunday in primetime at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2, one of the most feared strikers living and breathing in the world today. The one and only Rico Verhoeven joins us right now. Rico, how are you? I'm good, Ariel. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. A lot to talk to you about, but I'm curious. We just had Thanks Mirko. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. We just had Mirko Krokop on the show. He said goodbye uh, for, for someone like you and, and your skill set. Was this a guy that you watched growing up that you aspired to be like? Yeah, no doubt, man. You know, uh, yeah, back in the days, you had so many great fighters. You had like uh, Peter, uh, Mirko, Ernesto, you know, all those fighters uh, taking each other on. The, the, those were some amazing fights, man. And how about this timing? Uh, it only came to my attention after we booked you, but you're a training partner and friend of the new boxing heavyweight champion, Tyson Fury, who just defeated Vladimir Klitschko on Saturday. Honestly, yes, sir. did you truly believe that he'd be able to do that? Yes, sir. Why? Not a lot this, of people believe. This, no, but uh, the thing is, because what you see on television is so different than what you feel when you're in front of this man. It's, it's amazing. It's crazy, man. His, his skill set for... Uh, for the the type of body that he has and the 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 height is is so amazing. He uses his his jab and his movement all so well that it that it makes it so difficult to get close to him and touch him. Like uh, like Vladimir said, his his movement was it was just he was just too quick for me. And if Vladimir says that, you know he's. Uh, He's the he's the best he's been the best best boxer for eleven years. Right. So that's that's serious. But what so, about and I've been training I've been training like I've been helping him for three weeks in this camp. So yeah, every, and we've been training for years. So uh, so I know we know each other inside out. So uh, yeah, I knew I knew he was gonna do this. Was, Vladimir was getting older. It's not old, but in the sport, like you know, thirty nine is is old. So and this this guy he's young he's fearless he has a yeah he's a, a great skill set he's high he's fit so yeah it was perfect. 
He most certainly is fearless. He was in the ring there with his hands behind his back, just begging Vladimir to punch him. He's a quirky guy. He shows up to press conferences dressed up as Batman. He says all kinds of things. Yeah. He's singing in the middle of the ring to his, uh, I believe, yeah. his girlfriend. Is he always like that? Yeah, but uh, the the guy you see like in the press conference and the talking and stuff like that, you know, that's that's just Tyson who's entertaining and just drawing attention to the fight and stuff like that, you know. But the the reaction you saw right be, uh, when the right after the the announcement that he won, that's that's the real Tyson, you know. That's the, the emotion you yeah. saw. It's just he's a he's yeah he's such a good guy. He's such a an honest and humble guy, man. So that's that that's how I know Tyson. But you know he's yeah he just he, he likes to talk. So so this is an interesting situation for you. Like I said, you return to action this Friday. And and yeah. your last fight, as far as kickboxing is concerned, was in June. You defeated Benjamin Adigbayu. Well, guess what? Your fight this Friday is also against Benjamin. Is it is it hard for you to get motivated? I mean, I know he won a tournament and everything, but like you just fought the guy. Is it hard for you to get motivated for this? No, 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 definitely not. Because, you know, um, it's just this is this is what I do. This is my job, and and I just like to perform and i just every time uh, glory announces a fight i just hope that there's going to be a challenger you know it doesn't matter who who's there because everybody comes there to take your head off so you always have to watch out and especially with these 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 young fresh guys you know and like in the underdog position i've been there i've been in those shoes and i know the fire that that burns inside of those guys so you know, so I st- and I still I'm still young, so I still have that fire as well. So and I want to stay champion for for years and years to come. So, you know, uh, I, for me it's just I want to provide for my family. Uh, I want to be champion. Uh, I want to show people that if you have a dream, that it's possible that your dream will get fulfilled if you just focus and work hard, and that's all. And I should clarify, his actual name is Benjamin Adegbuyi, not Adegbayu. So I wanted to get yeah. that right. Uh, and I apologize yeah. to him for that. I don't want him uh, knocking my head off. Um, this, <laughs> it, it is a big deal, I'm sure, for you to fight in Amsterdam. But I, I understand also it's been a while since there have been any kind of major kickboxing events in, in Amsterdam. Why is that? Yeah, it's, it's like, um, I think for me, it's been like five years. Wow. Five years ago that I that I fought in uh, in Amsterdam. And the last time I fought in Amsterdam was in the Amsterdam Arena. So, uh, yeah, it was for a big crowd, like 25,000. So, uh, and all, yeah, like 90% Dutch fans, of course. So that That's amazing. But, yeah, there was a, a lot of problems with the with the government and they say that like criminals come to the to the to the kickboxing events and stuff like that and yeah that just pulled the sport down and that's when the the that was the moment that the the mayor of Amsterdam just said hey we're we're just stopping with kickboxing events big kickboxing they did small they still did small events but the big events no more so like I think like six months ago uh, we sat down with uh, with the mayor of Amsterdam, uh, with the other uh, heavyweight former heavyweight champions, so with Semi Shield, uh, Ernesto Hoost, Peter Arts, and Remy and I. So and a lot of a lot more like uh, <coughs> gym uh, gym holders and stuff like that. You know, people like that just 
uh, letting him feel the love we have for this sport that they're not just all criminals and just let him see that this sport brings so much more than than just violence because a lot of people just see punching and kicking but they don't see the the discipline we bring to to youth and just to everybody you know to teenagers and just to people and that it's good for, for especially for teenagers for who's who are growing up that they get this discipline and they show the respect to older people and stuff like that so i think it's uh yeah you know i think that was the moment we uh, we really hit him and uh he really felt it and he also told us like hey when there comes a request for a big event in amsterdam that, uh, Oh, sorry, it's my dog. No problem. <laughs> so uh, he said, when when the request comes for a big event in Amsterdam, I'm definitely going to take it serious and try to make it happen. So and now now it's there. So I'm yeah really happy about that. At this point, would you rather Glory run more events in Europe? It seems like when they go to Europe, they get big crowds, a lot of attention. When they come to the U.S. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like as big of a deal. Would you prefer they, they, they stick to Europe these days? No, definitely not. Definitely okay. not. Because um, f- actually for me, to be honest, it doesn't matter if I fight for 10 people or 100,000 people. Hmm. But um, the, the thing is, of course, you, you get the, the crowds you you feel what they bring you know they bring yeah. so much love and stuff like that so of course it's to to fight for a full arena is the is the best thing there is and especially for a home for a hometown arena is that's the that's you know a dream coming true sure. and and definitely because i left holland five years ago with the dream of wanted to become champion and now i'm back five years later and wow. now i am the champion and i'm defending my title so that's definitely a dream come true but I know, of course, that this is a new sport coming uh, coming into into America. So you know, it's it needs time. It needs time, and people, you know, need time to to get used to this sport and yeah, need to embrace it and love it. Uh, it. Glory might be new, but kickboxing has obviously been around a long time. Why do you think it hasn't taken off in America? Do you have any theories? Yeah, of course, kickboxing is not new for America, but uh, uh, yeah, what I meant it was like Glory is new, right. so it's a it's a new uh, it's a new organization with a with a new flow and a new production. But the thing is, uh, like Americans, they they just like when their own uh, people do very well in a sport. Yeah. So you know, in basketball, you guys are great. In baseball and stuff like that, UFC, you guys are amazing. But in kickboxing, the level you you guys haven't evolved mm. so much yet. So, yeah, that's that's what I think. That's the reason uh, because if American people uh, fighters get their ass kicked, then it's that is that is not fun to to watch, right? Right. So that's that's the same with with soccer. I, I don't like soccer, but when the Dutch national team plays soccer, I'm I'm there. You know, I check it. I watch it. So and that's 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 I think that's about the same with uh, with the American people. How big of a deal is your return in kickboxing, you know, major kickboxing's return to Amsterdam been? Are, are you are you doing is it is it being covered by all the sports channels there? Are they expecting a lot of people? What are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, uh, definitely a lot of Dutch media jumped on it, of course. 
so um, yeah, we just we're just hyping it up and huh. just showing showing everybody that that this this is a beautiful sport and you know it's like years ago like 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 10 15 years ago that maybe was the case that there was like criminals coming out of jail doing kickboxing and making their money with kickboxing but that's long gone so now we just want to show that everybody does it and we're all sportsmen and we're all athletes and show that we're normal people just competing and just want to be the best so this is what really interests me about you back in october you made your mma debut you won your yeah. debut. You look very impressive. First round TKO in two minutes and eleven seconds. Was this one and done yes, for you, or do you want to continue pursuing an MMA career? Mm, what do you hope? <laughs> I say yes. I would love to see it. With all due respect yeah, to the yeah, kickboxing, that's... come on oh, over course, to our side. Course, That'd be fun. What do you think? Tell us. Of Give course. us the scoop. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give you a little bit. Okay. Now for me it was uh for me it was definitely was uh it was an it was a nice experience, and I started yeah for the the people who didn't see the fight you know I started the fight off with the feeling like hey this is this is different man this is big <laughs> and you know it always have the feeling in the ring. I can jump out whenever I want you know I can jump through the sure. ropes and I'm out you know? <laughs> and this was just the door closes and I'm like. No, I'm trapped. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it was different. And um, yeah, this guy just just rushed on to me just right away, wanted to uh, to jump into a slug fest. And I was that's not really my game, you know. I'm always calculated and always thinking about stuff. So I thought, okay, if I'm not gonna trade with this guy, I give this guy the coin flip and maybe, you know, maybe he hits me. So uh, he he pressured me towards the towards the cage. And, and then a lot of thoughts were going through my head, like, uh, what do I want to do? Do I want to punch? Do I want to kick? Do I want to take him down? I can do everything. So, you know, there was just a lot of things going through my head. And um, so I thought, okay, let's get him tired, then stand back up, and let's see what happens. So I, I took him down, and, yeah, I could uh, get a full mount position. So... Yeah, that was perfect, and I could finish it from there. So for me, actually, I wanted to go a little, yeah, maybe the second <laughs> round or something, just to get some more experience. But yeah, you know, we were finished after the two minutes, so uh, it definitely, definitely feels like I want some more ah. of this. It was this was this was perfect. You know, this was amazing. It was a nice experience, but it just it it has to fit. You know, it has to fit the schedule because I'm so busy with kickboxing and so much more so much more stuff is going on you know i just did a big audition for a for a huge hollywood movie so you know it's yeah it's crazy so if it fits definitely gonna gonna go for a second mma fight okay so for now kickboxing is your main focus your true love it's only like you're not trying to get to the ufc basically kickboxing is where it's well, at or are you yeah you know it's a it's for me it's um i just in a perfect world i would do i would do all three i would do boxing kickboxing and mma but i know if i want to be the best at yeah. something i have to focus on on one thing at the at the time so for now it's of, of course when i was preparing for my mma fight just boom 
focus on uh, on MMA, you know, grappling and jiu-jitsu and everything, wrestling. And now I'm preparing for this kickboxing match. So just kickboxing, kickboxing, kickboxing. But yeah, let's see, let's see what happens, man. It's for me, it's um, in kickboxing. I did so much. I'm kickboxing since I was six years old. So this MMA thing brings like a new sure. excitement. <laughs> and because kickboxing is just repetition for me, man. I did everything. I know the, the things I can do and that I can do. So for it's just repetition and getting better. But with this MMA stuff, it's so much to learn again. And it pulls so much interest. So yeah, let's let's see where it takes me. You know, it's uh, you never know what offer comes on the table or whatever that makes me think or get interested. Have people reached so, but, out to for you? now? No, not yet. No one's reached so, uh, out. Wow. No, I'm surprised. So, uh, so for so for now, just enjoying myself and uh, yeah, let's 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 see where where this road takes me, man. Uh. You you uh you sound like a young woman named Holly Holm who was boxing her whole life and then said you know what I'm done with this I'm gonna go to uh, MMA and then she of course recently knocked out Ron Rossi that's what I'm foreseeing yeah. happening with Rico Verhoeven <laughs> what do you think uh, that, that would that would be that would be a great scenario that would definitely <laughs> be great that would be amazing uh, I'd be the first kickboxer to do that as well so. <laughs> uh, a long time ago I mean like two years ago I called do you know a guy named Bo Jackson. No, Bo, I heard his name before, but Bo Jackson was uh, a great football player who also yeah. was a great baseball player. One of the few guys to play in the NFL and Major League Baseball at the same time. Oh, but then serious? he got injured. Oh, he had a major hip injury, and he had to retire uh, shortly thereafter. And a, and a long time ago, I called Tyrone Spong, the Bo Jackson yeah. of combat sports, because he was doing yeah. a little bit of kickboxing and MMA. But for yeah. now, things haven't really worked out for Tyrone Spunk. Perhaps you're the Bo Jackson of combat sports with a little bit of kickboxing, MMA, boxing. What do you think of that? Yeah, that that would be that would be good. That's a that's a big compliment. So appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate that a lot. So um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I'm uh, I'm not sure, man. You know, I'm I'm still I'm 26, so I, I've I've so much time. But and I've already been uh, kickboxing champion for like three years. You know, I've been uh, the youngest kickboxing champion in 20 years. The, wow. the last one who did it at my age was like Peter Arts. So, and that was he was my idol. So that was that was amazing. You know, when I when I heard those facts that that Peter Arts was the the youngest champion and and now since 20 years I'm I was the youngest champion. Yeah, that's that's amazing, man. You know, the, just the whole storyline. And it's the same with uh, with my MMA debut, my first big kickbox uh, victory was in Romania. Oh wow. So we were yeah, so we were looking uh around for a good MMA organization to work with and then we we found RXF. And you know, their production was nice, big cage, stuff like that. So we were, and it was in Romania, so just the the whole storyline just just clicked. Was that a one fight deal with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just one fight deal and then uh, from there, you know, let's like I said, you know, let's let's see what what offer comes or whatever, you know. I'm uh, I'm yeah, I'm not stuck to anything. Just not, just it has to be interesting. That's sure. That's I think the 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 main part. Um. So as you mentioned, I mean, you, you've done a lot in a very short amount of time. You fought Peter. You fought Errol Zimmerman. You fought Sergey Kharitanov. Some legends. 
Is there something yeah. you haven't done yet as far as facing off someone, maybe one of these older guys who's at the tail end of his, of his career that you'd really like to do before your career is done? What's a dream of yours? A dream, yeah. No, I think I did everything, man. At 26? Maybe, you did it all maybe, at 26? No, I mean in kickboxing. Yeah. In kickboxing, I, I, I did it all. I've, I, yeah, I think I've, uh, I've beaten everybody that they're, that they're still that there still was, you know, now a lot of guys just stopped fighting like, uh, like Gita, Saki, yeah. uh, uh, Peter, you know, uh, Remy was already finished, retired before, uh, before I became champion. So yeah, you know, uh, who's, who's out there for me? I'll tell you my dream. What's the biggest stadium in, uh, in the Netherlands, the biggest one for a kickboxing event? Yeah. The Amsterdam arena, the Amsterdam arena. I'd like to see Rico Verhoeven, Defend his glory heavyweight title against the great Alistair Overeem. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, it would be something, but <laughs> I, I don't really think it would be a, a, a full stadium tracking fight. Really? You know, what? Yeah, don't don't really think. You know, he's a, he's an he's an MMA fighter. He's not a kickboxer. But he won the Grand Prix. He, yeah, I know, but you know, the moment that people felt his uh, his style he started losing so you know for me it's i think he he jumped to uh to mma uh, just right in time because ah. you know uh, uh remy beated him so uh bother beat him so you know for me it, it's like he's a, he's an mma fighter he's not a kickboxer you know and when that's what i saw from uh from his from his fights you know and especially when everything uh Everything goes according to the rules. When he gets punched back, he doesn't like it. So, uh, and I've trained with Alistair as well. You know, he's a he's a good guy. But kickboxing is is different than MMA. And yeah, that's that's my vision on that. So you think that when things got tough for him, he he ran to MMA? No, no, definitely definitely not ran. You know, he just guy his his deal with uh, with UFC was was great, of course, but. I think it was the right time because mm. he definitely would get beat more. Wow! You know because of the more good kickboxers just uh, just stood up. You know if he would fight a guy like Gita, I think he would have his hands full. If he fight, would fight a guy like me, he would have his hands full. Maybe not back then because then I was still a puppy, still a baby. <laughs> but if we fight now, you know it's uh, it's a whole different different ball game, right? Fair enough. Well, I look forward to seeing you back in action. As I said, this Friday, it's Glory 26 in Amsterdam. It's Rico Verhoeven versus Benjamin Adegbui for the Glory Heavyweight <laughs> Championship of the World. It's on ESPN 3 at 4 p.m. Eastern. You can catch it also on ESPN 2 here in the United States Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. What a great honor it has been for us to have you on the show, Rico. I wish you the best, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's uh, it's been an honor for me as well. You know the the UFC interview legend. So uh, <laughs> no, it's a uh, no, it's been it's it's an honor likewise, man. It's uh, for me, it's been fun, and yeah, hope to talk to you more. We will for sure. Thank you so much. Good luck on Friday. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. There he is, Rico Verhoeven, stopping by. A lot of fun stuff and interesting comments. It's interesting. He actually sounds a lot like Alistair Overeem, right? You can see just the way he speaks. It's, I guess it's, it's, it's a Dutch thing, but that was a lot of fun as well. And uh, I do urge you check out the card uh, this Friday on ESPN3. I, I do like the ESPN3. I know some people like to sort of uh, 
laugh. Oh, it's the internet. But I like the, I like the functionality of that thing, of that website, I guess you can call it. And then it replays on ESPN2 this Sunday. No longer on Spike TV. They're moving towards the, uh, the worldwide leader, if you will. So good for the good people over at Glory. We appreciate them hooking us up with that interview. All right. Uh, 30 minutes or so left in the program. What a show that was. Wow. And we're not even done. We still have your questions and comments. Mr. New York Rick, are you there? I'm here. I, uh, I'd imagine you're, you're, you're sort of like you're, you're airing things out over there in that little booth of yours because you're so smitten by the glory heavyweight champion, Rico Verhoeven. You're, you're almost <laughs> at a loss for words. I'm expecting. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, yeah, Rico's a great fighter. Good looking dude. I'm sure he'll do great in the movies and all that stuff. Um, I wonder what the Hollywood, you know, production he went out for is, but I'm sure we'll see. I'd yes. be surprised if he gets it. Yes, a big one. Are, are you trying to say that I missed the follow-up question? Oh, maybe. Wow. After all that, here I am. Uh, Mirko gets a little emotional, can't even speak at the end of the interview. Uh, George How about Pierre? you getting a little emotional, too? Well, Mirko, to me, see, here's the thing about Mirko. People, look, if you go to jerrypark.com, go to jerrypark.com. I don't even know if the site still is running. Is it still there? Mother F. It's not there. It's my brother-in-law who's supposed to upkeep this thing. And how embarrassing is it that uh, (laughs) that's the one that started it for me? You know, jerrypark.com was was a huge one. And um, which was it? There's, uh, now here I am. Which was it? Was it? Was it him versus Barnett? There's a poster on there at the top. Now I'm, I'm blanking, but there's, there's a poster of one of his best events from Best Fights and a legendary Pride event. I think it was... Was it Barnett? Anyway, not important. Uh, that's at the top. I mean, Mirko, way back when, when I was just a pup to steal a line from Rico Verhoeven, I, I said something very stupid. Uh, and somehow it was caught on the underground, and it was just... It's the biggest regret of my career, just speaking when i thought at the time no one was really listening and i was i was completely unprofessional it was just a dumb thing to say and uh it blew up into this whole thing i thought my career was over it was ridiculous and it killed me so much because miracle Krokop, no joke like top five favorites for me growing up i mean how could you not he was everything that you loved about mma the 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 the, the stare downs and his demeanor and the knockouts of course the fighting style his sort of no nonsense eastern european attitude loved it and uh, so that's that whole thing. Don't even have to get into it. But it was just like, ugh, I, I, what an idiot I was. And so for me, Mirko, you know, doing this first interview since this all went down, I know he was on some TV show, but since the suspension and all that, I mean, that's a huge deal. I called him up on the phone on Thursday during Thanksgiving. I didn't think he would answer. I know he doesn't love talking to the media. And I'm like, hi, this is Ariel Wani. He's like, oh, yeah, Ariel. Uh, I would love to come on your show. You've always been, you know, very nice to me when we spoke. There was a long time, remember, I couldn't get him. Remember all those UFC events that I went to, I never interviewed him once. All those fights that he was always ducking the media and whatnot. And it was maybe like two year end shows ago. Remember I said that my goal was to get Mirko on the show? Oh, yes. So, and I believe it was the guys at Glory that got it done. It was the guys at Glory that got it done. So Mirko means a lot. And I think he means a lot to a lot of people. I mean, a little bit before your time, I know you started watching the whole like Sage Northcutt, Ronda Rousey era, but trust me on this. Mirko's an important figure in this sport. Are those sport. even the same era? <laughs> like, um, yeah, I started watching uh, this Saturday. It was, the it whole, was a like, fun event. I watched the Korean card, and now I'm a fan. The whole Paige Van Zandt era and yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, whenever we can have Mirko on, it's a great moment. And I know you know you have a real personal 
kind yeah. of uh, affectation. It kind of sucks. It sucks that it went down that way. I know he kind of he swept it under the rug, but it's, it's sort of like one of these things like GSP, not GSP, the Anderson, because he's being honest about it. He's saying that he told them, but it sucks that the first time the whole USADA thing happens and he has to retire. We're, I don't know. It it's it's going to go away. Like, oh, this will we, not be his legacy. When we look back on Mirko, this yeah. is going to be not. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's not even mentioned. Like nobody's even going to remember this. In a in, in a way, I sort of wish that he retired in the cage. If we if we all knew it was going to go down this way, and I'm sure he would say the same. If he retired in the cage after beating Gonzaga, avenging that loss, would have been perfect. Perfect moment. It was funny that he said, you know, which which fighter goes out on top, and we just spoke to GSP, and he kind of went out on top. But is he done? That's but the real question. Is that the question? What do you think after hearing that? No, I don't think I, I, I don't think he's done. Yeah, sounds like it. Are you in favor of him returning? No, because I think his legacy is so cemented. So there's yeah. nothing to. There's nothing left for George to do. I um, do. I do believe that distance makes the heart grow fonder. As far as the public oh, is concerned. Oh, I mean, from his perspective, he's a competitor. He's he's a you know a, a, an athlete who who has been at the top of the sport and probably thinks he can still be there. And as far as I'm concerned, you know. I think he would still be able to be there. Um, so giving it, you know, another go is, you know, probably something that he's considering. As far as me, though, I would not look at George differently if he, you know, comes back or doesn't. Come. Like, I think his legacy is is perfect just the way it is. He wouldn't need to do another thing to be one of the best of all time. What about, by the way, what about, like, yeah. the taking the belt away and the whole press conference thing? It's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, he he gave a lot of good stuff there, especially, um, you know, the stuff about him uh, being very vocal about um, drug testing. Yeah. And saying, you know, I, I'm not dumb. I know these things. And kind of it seemed like being met with deaf ears. So uh, his his legacy, I think, you know, he's doing great things for his legacy even after retirement and not necessarily anything to do with fighting. Just the, the idea that he was kind of beating the drum on the way out um, before anybody really w- was taking up that cause much. Uh, and it seemed to have been effective. So anyway, uh, let's, let's answer some questions here. Okay. MMA beat. You guys addressed uh, on Wednesday's MMA beat. The panel discussed if there was a case to be made for the Rousey cyborg fight. No mention was made for the potential interest that a home cyborg fight could generate. On paper, it would be a great style matchup, provided Cyborg can make 135, and the winner then can face Ronda at UFC 200. Any thoughts on that matchup? Well, I don't think Holly Holm is going to be able to fight because they're pretty much booked. Like, she's not going to be able to come. They're pretty much booked up until Super Bowl weekend. And I don't think she's fighting Super Bowl weekend. And then we know that March, they're going to Brazil for the pay-per-view show. And then we know that in April, it's probably going to be John Jones, Daniel Cormier. And then so the, the, the next available one is Memorial Day weekend. There's no way that she's going to turn around and fight two months later at UFC 200. So I doubt she gets two So forget two that in. part of it. Okay, though. fair enough. Yeah, of course. I'd love to see Cyborg versus Holly Holm. I'd love to see Cyborg, period, versus anyone in the UFC's bantamweight division. All we were saying was the loss by Ronda Rousey to Holly Holm doesn't make me less interested in the Ronda Rousey's Chris Cyborg fight. That's all. But yep. I, to me, I think it's a given that I'd want to see, of course I want to see Cyborg versus Holly. I want to see Cyborg versus Misha Tate. I want to see Cyborg versus all of these people. This a, is, can she make 135? That's, you know, forgetting about all that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it goes without saying. 
this is what always happens when these champions fall. We talked about this, I think it was like two weeks ago. We touched on this very specifically that, you know, when, when a dominant champion falls, all these matchups open up. There's so many interesting things that can be done here. Uh, and this is that case. Like, you know, Misha Tate has a new uh, shine on her um, with Ronda losing. And Holly Holm obviously has matchups in the wings now. So there's, there's plenty uh, to think about here. Yeah. Female fighter of the year, Holly or Joanna? What the heck? We're, we're giving out our awards now. It's funny that you bring this up because we were just talking about this before the, uh, the program. So, okay, here's the schedule. We have a show today, November 30th. We have another show next week, of course, huge week to come in Las Vegas. So that's December 7th, yes? And yep. then we have a show following... The Madness in Las Vegas, UFC 194, etc. That will be on December 14th. Then we have a two-week break. Now, this is not... I don't want you to come at me. And, 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 and by the way, while we're talking about it, to all those people who said, bro, you're slipping. How can you skip a week post-193? I can't believe that you wouldn't do a show. You don't care about your fans. The MMA hour is slipping. And then, of course... It comes, and it comes out that we were in Albuquerque with, uh, with John Jones and getting all that other stuff. I didn't get all of your apologies. I may have gotten one or two. But how many times do I have to tell you, trust me? Can you trust me? I'm never going to leave you hanging. If I'm not there, I'm doing something else. But I will say this. Those two weeks, 21st, 28th, we are off. So that's planned. It's a break. It's a chance to recharge our batteries. It's a chance for you to miss us. And then we return... The week after UFC 195, excuse me, the Monday after UFC 195. So that's January 4th, I believe. And that will be our award show because I don't want to do it the show after 194 and then the show before Orlando because there's still the big Orlando card. Dos Anjos versus Cerrone. There's Alistair Overeem versus JDS. You can't do an award show before a big event like that. So we have to wait until after. And I don't mind. First week of January, let's look back on the year. The entire year is over. Even Fedor coming back. We got we to gotta account for all of that. Mm. So all that being said, I'm not going to give you my women's fighter of the year now. Why would I do that? Why would I? There's still a lot more to, uh, to consider. Stay tuned. The Monday after the new year. The first yes. Monday of the new year. We'll hit you with the answer. Why, do, you, do you want to uh, weigh nope. in on this? Why it's an opportunity to give a plug. Come on, man. Oh, that's what that was. Okay. I didn't know you thought like that. I'm impressed. <laughs> how, how dare you? <laughs> uh, okay. Ever considered more boxers? Would just like to know if you have ever considered to feature more boxers on the show. Yes. Uh, with your interviews with personalities like Roy Jones Jr. and Freddie Roach being some of my favorites, it would be great to see that more frequently. Would love to see the likes of Tyson Fury appear uh, as he's such an interesting, outspoken, and entertaining character that I think would be a great addition to the show. Look, I don't want to stray too far away, but, and I don't want to pat myself on the back, give myself the old Barry Horowitz, but I have a lot to offer here. I'm not just a one-trick pony. I could talk MMA. I could talk boxing. I could talk kickboxing. Sure, I called him Benjamin Adigbuyi or Adigbayu, <laughs> whatever I said, but I got it right. You did get it right. Um, I got to tell you, I'm fascinated by Tyson Fury. Did you watch that? Of course. I mean, first of all, I wasn't being an MMA hipster like our friend Devin was saying, or is it Devon? Devon? No, it's Devin. <laughs> Devon. I wasn't being a hipster. I actually found it fascinating when the, 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 the current heavyweight champion, a man who had been reigning for the past 11 years, who had not been defeated, was getting systematically... I mean, he wasn't even getting broken down. I mean, he was just gun-shy. I mean, he couldn't even... 
he couldn't even pull the trigger once. It was unbelievable. He's like throwing, he was landing one punch around. It was crazy. That to me was fascinating. Again, I, I, I don't watch this stuff for the violence. I don't watch this stuff for the, the heads bouncing off the canvas. It's true. I, I, I find the, the, the chess match, the tactic, all that, I find that to be very interesting. It's why I never thought George St. Pierre was boring. Um, I found that fight to be bizarrely fascinating. And even Tyson Fury with his hands behind his back, I mean, all that stuff. And then you top off the whole damn thing with that song in the middle of the, the ring. It was incredible. So I find Tyson Fury to be interesting. Um, I mean, Cotto Canelo, I watched that. Uh, I watched Lucien Butte uh, Saturday night on Showtime. I love boxing. I, I like, think we have a good mix. I think yeah. when we have boxing, kickboxing, even wrestling, like guess when it's appropriate, it makes sense. Um, so yeah, you can count on more of that. If you want me to talk about why the term posterizing is ridiculously no. outdated, I could do that as no, well. No, let's, let's avoid that. We, I think we already <laughs> touched on that earlier. If you want me to talk about, you know, the Blue Jay signing J. Happ, I could talk about that as well. So I'm very versatile. Next question. Ariel, what vibe did you get from the John Bones Jones? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you get from John Bones Jones during the walkout on the MMA beat? You didn't really give away your own impression. Uh, did he seem different to you compared to other interviews you had had with him? And now that the media consensus seems to be that uh, Jones should stop acting heel slash trying to create a persona of any kind and instead just relax a bit. Being one of the loudest voices crying for Jones to be more of a heel and nurturing his persona, WWF style, a few years back. Have you reflected on this? Have you changed your stance and why? Any larger Jesus. implications from that? That's a lot of questions there. So let, let's start with the, the first part. Was he different when you talked to him than in the past? Okay, first, before I answer that, um, some, some breaking news that may not sound like it has anything to do with MMA, but it's very interesting to people who live here in New York. And if you know anything about the history of MMA in New York, you'll find this to be very interesting. Sheldon Silver, the ex-New York Assembly mm. Speaker, has been found guilty on all counts. So this is from the New York Times. Sheldon Silver, an assemblyman who rose from the Lower East Side to become one of New York State's most powerful politicians, was found guilty on Monday in a federal corruption trial ending a case that was capstone, uh, that was the capstone of the government's efforts to expose the seamy culture of influence peddling in Albany. Mr. Silver is 71, a Democrat who served more than two decades as the Assembly Speaker before he was forced to resign after his arrest in January, will automatically forfeit the Assembly seat to which he was first elected nearly 40 years ago. Now, why is this so interesting? Well, many people uh, believe that it was Sheldon Silver who refused to allow... MMA, the bill to legalize MMA, to be brought up for a vote after passing through the Senate, what, like five, six times under his watch? He wouldn't even allow it to be brought up for a vote. For a bill to be legalized in the state of New York, it has to pass through the Senate, and it did unanimously a handful, if not more times, through the Senate and the Assembly. It has to be sort of this two-pronged approach, and uh, he wouldn't even allow it to be brought up for a vote. Very strong ties to the unions here and uh he he i mean that in its own right was corrupt so who knows what else he was doing well clearly he was guilty of a lot of stuff so anyhow he's out of power he's going away uh he he was a major reason why mma was not legalized here in the state of new york now does his you know his conviction mean mma is going to be legalized in 2016 no there are new people in power they still have a lot of influence the unions do there, there's a lot of politics believe it or not in politics in albany uh but you know, hey, uh, a guy who appears to have not been 100% kosher, apparently, according to...
according to uh, the courts today, got what he deserved. So I thought that was very interesting. Now, back to... uh, Before we move on from that, do you think that'll have any impact on it? Do you think that will look back... You know, whoever is... Uh, no, you know, because judge and jury for this will look back and say his influence was one thing that prominently kept this out, um, or at least was assumed to. And now it's been revealed that he might not have been, you know, the best guy and uh, had shady politics. Um, would that be something that they could, you know, factor in? Is there an impact from that, or is it just good riddance and now he's gone? Well, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be some kind of uh, expert on Albany politics, but I will say that, despite the fact that I truly believe. MMA being legalized here in New York would generate a lot of revenue that isn't being generated right now. I do think that in the grand scheme of things, it's it's not a major concern. Yeah, right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going on. But it just goes to show that if he was doing this to our little sport, what else was the guy doing? And he had been in power for I'm so sure long. I'm sure he's done much, much worse. The part was just like, he's like, what? You, you won't even bring it up for a vote? Come on, man. Right. It's just crazy. All right, John, yes, was he John different? Did. When uh, you talk to him this time, then other times. Okay, that's the first question here. I want to. That's the big adri- question. Okay, that's the big question. I do believe that he was different in the sense that a he was willing to talk about all of this. It's a lot of stuff that forget about the accident in April. He never talked about the Gustafson fight that fight week. He didn't talk about the partying, the marijuana, all that stuff. He's never really talked about any of that, and so I think that that was a major first step for him. I think at first he was a little bit nervous. I think once we got through, you know, the the incident and some of his partying and all that, he started to to warm up. I think that when he speaks about the UFC, you can tell that there's there's conviction there and there's still an open wound and you know, this is something he still feels very strongly about. But in the end, I I do believe that, you know, actions speak louder than words. If you look at his social media, if you talk to his people, it does seem like he's focused that he's 100%, you know, uh, dedicated to getting back on track, to getting the belt back. But what happens when he gets the belt? You know, what happens when everything's back in order? Who knows? I mean, this guy has been stripped of essentially everything, not just his belt, sponsors, his, his, you know, his public persona. Everyone took a crap on that, his dignity. I mean, he did, he, he did a pretty horrible thing. And I, I think he fessed up to it as best as he could. I saw some people weigh in and say like, Oh, you know, he's a narcissist. He's a sociopath. I mean, who knows? To me, I just want to see the real John Jones. You know, I, I, this whole thing, and I, 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 we've talked about this and sort of my 180 on it, like the heel thing, all that. I, I don't really care about that anymore. The fact that we even have to talk about it speaks volumes as to what kind of persona he gave us in the first place. It didn't feel real, and then he tried to be something else, and that didn't feel real. Just be yourself, man. If, if, if being yourself is swearing in public and all that. Like, even towards the end, you notice he said the S word one time. I even think he said the F word. Just be yourself. Just be yeah, how you did. are. And I think that's very important. So I don't know if I can sit here and and say, okay, he's 100% different. He's a change man, all that. I don't think that you can 100% change in the span of three, four months. I don't know if that's actually possible. But from the day I spent with him, I can tell you, A, even though he has to go and talk to those kids, I genuinely feel like he enjoys it. I think it's 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 very um, it's it's almost like therapeutic for him. Uh, I think he likes, especially the younger kids, like the the, the five six year olds. I think it reminds him of his own kids, and I think he enjoys that. And uh, and I think that he was nervous doing that interview. I think it was a big deal for him. I think he got a lot off his chest. There's probably a lot more that he'd love to get off his chest. Maybe that'll come in due time. I think Daniel is the perfect guy to be waiting for him because he gives him that extra push, whether or not he wants to admit it. 
I think the stars are realigning for John Jones. You know, will he, uh, will he keep his head down and, and continue to do the right thing? Only time will tell. So I think we're in a good spot with him right now. He got a, he got a sponsor, probably more to come, but only time will tell. That's not the answer maybe that you're looking for, but I don't think it's fair to say he's 100% a changed man and well, everything's good, blah, blah. It's, I don't think do it's that. fair to say that about any human being. Yeah. And I think for me, I was watching that interview, and the most interesting part, I'm sure there'll pe- you know, people wanted to hear about the, the incident, people wanted to hear about um, how he feels about Cormier, um, you know, all that stuff. The most interesting thing to me was when you asked him, have we ever seen the real John Jones? Mm. And he gave a really, really good and honest answer about the fact that nobody's any one thing. I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. um, I'm not a heel. I'm not a, a, what's it called? Baby face. Um, You know, you've seen me as a father. You've seen me, you know, uh, as a fighter. And just the fact that everybody's personality is multifaceted. There's not anybody who's any one thing. And I think, you know, just because we see these glimpses, it's very quick to, people are very quick to kind of put people in a box and say, you know, now John Jones is being this heel character. He's being this bad guy. When really it's just, you know, one aspect of a a much larger um, persona. So I, I don't think, you know, I think we've seen the real John Jones throughout all of this. Um, and and part of that was him trying to to fake something. Part of that was him trying to to put on um, a different uh, a different mask. But at all times, you know, it was a decision made by this 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 human, this person that we can all identify with, who's John Jones. And I thought that was you know a really like revealing moment and something that I had been kind of thinking about but couldn't articulate as well as as he did. So I thought that was like really one of the most interesting parts of that interview. And I will also say that let's be honest. John Jones gave us a lot of mixed messages. You know, he was the choir boy. He was squeaky clean. He took down the mugger the day he won the belt. But then he gets into this car accident, sure. you know, in 2012. And then, you know, he you think he's but doing this that, and that. Uh, and then he, the cocaine thing. And then is, this thing Is that thing a happened. mixed message, though? It is a mixed if message. You're, if, can you do a good thing if you're a bad person? And conversely, can you do a bad thing if you're a good person? I yeah, feel like there's not... It seemed to pile up. Like, remember when... when when John Jones got into that accident, right? A month before, he said, Nike's sponsoring me. Oh, the UFC is sponsoring me, right. he said, because I'm not going to get into any mm-hmm. DUIs. And at that point, this is 2012, not that far away from when he won the belt. I think he was just champion for a year and change at that point. Uh, the, the title fight against, uh, against Shogun was in 2011 in, in March in Newark. So it was shocking. It was like, what? John Jones? Yeah. Car accident, Bentley, girls, TMZ, what is going on here? And then, you know, things start to come out. So to me, it's like, what, what is going on? Like if, if Chris Weidman, if Demetrius Johnson get into a car accident like that, I'll be like, what the heck is going on here? That's a mixed message because to me, I hold those guys in the highest regard. I think they're family men. They're, they're, you know, they're, they seem to be religious, all that stuff. So it's like, I I see your point, but I also think that those are cultivated. We don't know. We never know. And, you know, go uh, back to that press conference, UFC 128, when he's talking about the mugger. I mean, the guy is like, he's squeaky clean. He's just wide eyed. Yeah. He's innocent. I, I doubt he was squeaky clean. Oh, we've come to find out that no. And no, even before that, though, at any point, like, I, I just think um, maybe we wanted him to be squeaky, yes, squeaky that's clean. It. Maybe we, the we people tried to wanted a idea. certain persona for him. And that's that's what we got. And, and then we see what happened to, to Floyd. Floyd went from pretty boy Floyd to Money Mayweather, and you see what happened when he fought De La Hoya in 24-7, that first one, he's throwing around the money and he's all this stuff. 
And then we see, wow, look what happened to Floyd. And then we see, you know, Jones with the beard and the sunglasses and yeah. the deleting things. And we're like, hey, John, guess what, buddy? If you act like a heel, you'll make a lot of money. But all that, I mean, some people can go, you know, some people can live like that. Some people can get away with that. Some people can. John Jones just needs to be himself because it seems like when he tries to do something else and, you know, overthink things and try to be someone that he wants to be or he thinks his parents want him to be or the fans want him to be, it just gets too complicated. Just be yourself, man. And some people will love you. Some people will hate you. I was talking to some people and they were telling me, like, back in the day, John Jones would, you know, would obsess over an Instagram post and think about it for two hours. Did I write this right? Do I look good? Did I say this the right way? You can't be like that. You just got to be yourself. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel like he's coming to terms with who he is. It's going to take time. Maybe it'll never happen. But I think that we're in a good spot with him. But again, I think only time will tell. Okay, so what were your thoughts about John expressing his displeasure with the UFC during the interview? Uh, were you surprised to hear him speak so openly about that? And do you think the relationship between John and the UFC can be improved moving forward? Honestly, I wasn't very surprised because, you know, I mean, there were certain things like, what he said about them coming. The one line that stood out the most and they have since reached out to us and uh, refuted it. And, you know, we should have gotten their side. There's no doubt about it. It's when he said the first time they came to see me in Albuquerque was to take my title away. It's like, damn, you know what I mean? The way he said it, it almost felt like it, it, it hurt him. And I, and I still think 151 hurts. The sport killer comments hurt. All that stuff. I, th- I think it, it all hurts. But I, I, I definitely think it's in their best interest, both of them. Especially when you consider the fact that Ronda just lost. Connor could lose. John Jones is going to be sitting there. We talked about this. You know, the, the, this is a major opportunity for them to repatch things, especially if they get into MSG. It works better for both of them if they're on the same side. If the UFC is invested in John, if he's invested in them... It just works better for all involved. They don't have to be best friends. He said to me last year in Baltimore, I'll never be Chuck Liddell to them. And maybe he won't. And he doesn't have to be. But to me, there came a point where it felt like they weren't doing the most possible to promote this guy. And that's a shame because I think he's the greatest of all time. Well, maybe this timeout, maybe these comments will get them to come back to the table and say, how do we fix this? How do we put 151 behind us? How do we fix everything? How do we get on the same page? How do we work together to make you into the biggest star possible, to make the most amount of money for all of us? I think that's the important thing. John Jones is going to be good for business, um, especially if he can get his head right and, you know, keep his his personal life aside. Um, John Jones is going to be good for business. So it behooves both of them to to really, you know, patch it up and, and, you know, move forward with with John as, as one of the faces. But I will say also that those comments positive or negative, I think in a weird way almost endears him to the public because now they're saying, oh, look, John Jones is speaking up. He's finally sticking up for himself. He's finally... The comments I got, I mean, we could talk about a few people here or there, some outlets. I mean, it was 99% positive in his favor. Forget about like, oh, congrats on getting the right. interview. People were saying like, wow, that's the first time I felt like I saw the real John Jones. In, in terms of the UFC stuff, though, I don't feel like he's ever ma- hid that, really. I feel like this may have been the most he's been open but I don't think this is the first time we've kind of seen that crack in the relationship. Everything oh, it's been was, brewing. After 151, things yeah. were changed. 100%. And, and this was finally everything's out in the open. It, it, it definitely has been brewing. I could have honestly done a full second hour with him. There's so much to discuss. Um, and, and hopefully in time, more questions will be answered. But right now, John Jones, I mean, the comeback story, everyone loves it. The rivalry with Daniel, him as a challenger, the way he'll be promoted. This is 
incredibly fascinating stuff as we head into 2016. Speaking of the comeback, how would John Jones do versus the top of the heavyweight division? Top 10 heavyweights. Man, I wouldn't bet against them. I, I think John Jones could be the best at heavyweight yeah, as well. I wouldn't bet against them. I mean, Espe- he said it. Well, especially when you think about the guys who are up there now, it's not the Brock Lesnar's at, you know, 280 plus. Um, it's, it's, you know, guys like Verdum and Kane who are not, you know, huge heavyweights. Verdum is, is big, but he's more long than, you know, this like big, beefy, muscular guy. Um, I think John would, would definitely have, uh, have a good shot. Now he would lose some of his advantages. His length in, in the light heavyweight division is, is such a huge advantage for him. Um, but I, th- I, I wouldn't, uh, yeah, I wouldn't bet against John Jones at, at any weight class. Especially not now. Um, he really seems to be into this working out thing. I mean, remember, this is a guy who had a pop belly in between fights. He didn't live in Albuquerque. Yeah. He would just sit on his couch, play video games, and get fat. He's got Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn and Brandon Gibson, you know, in his year, telling him to come to the gym, get in shape, all that stuff. It's possible that we have not seen the best from the greatest of all time, and that's a pretty scary thing. Do you think this is the question of the day? Do you think Benson Henderson will yes. be back in the UFC? Oh, wow. Is he back or is he not back? Man, what a tough question. Can I just say, I just want to expand quickly on what I was saying at the top there. I mean, this is such an interesting story because it's so rare in MMA for a, a top fighter to come out in his own way. He didn't really come out and say it, but he said, look, look, I'm going to play this thing out. I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going I'm to be a free agent. I'm going to test the waters. I'm happy in the UFC. I'll, I'll retire in the UFC. That's what he said at the press conference. But I want to test the waters. I want to know how much I'm worth. This is a common occurrence in every single other sport. In our sport, it's a big deal because it very rarely happens. Things are kept close to the vest. Guys are re-signed before their contract expires. And, and I, th- I think there's nothing wrong with it. I think what Josh Thompson has been saying is not a negative towards the UFC or any promotion. Find out how much you're worth. That's, that's, that's the free market that we should be living in. And that's what every, I mean, that's what every athlete, every person should find out how much they're worth. That's just you trying to get what, you know, what you can while you're at the top of your game, while you're in your prime, all that stuff. So Benson Henderson going out and rolling the dice and fighting and winning. And I would, I would say his stock has never been higher. I mean, after what he did to Brandon Thatch, that, that was one of the most inspirational wins in UFC history. And then, you know, the Masvidal thing, not as much. But he's on a winning streak now. People aren't thinking of him as this sort of boring point fighter or squeaking out victories, even though it was a close one on Saturday. It's different than when he was champion. He seems to be going for it. He's likable. It's going to be so interesting to see how this thing plays out. It, it really is. I think, end of the day, he re-signs with the UFC. I don't think they want him to leave. I think this is a guy who can fight at 155, 170. I think now that Pettis isn't currently the champion, there's an opening for him. I know he lost the RDA, but it can be sold in a certain way because of you know the way it happened. But I, I kind of want to see him run a little bit at 170 here. All that being said, this is, something, this is someone that Beltor really probably wants. This is someone that, as a result of that, the UFC should keep and, and give him what he's worth. But, you know, this is, a, this is a new part of the sport as well, the evolution from the USADA, the Reebok. Guys now, you know, just letting this thing play out, becoming free agents, rolling the dice, seeing what's out there. I think it's good for everyone involved. I really do. And, uh, you know, I, I wish him the best with it. I, I really am interested to see how it all plays out. It, yeah, I think it's interesting, and I think it's going to become more commonplace. It's not, I, you know, there's uh, Gilbert Melendez, um, I believe, you know, made it clear that he was willing to, to do something similar to this. And um, there's other examples that just are, are similar, may not be exactly the same. Josh Thompson, obviously. Um, but again, Josh, Phil Davis, different. Those guys were coming off losses. You know, 
Benson Henderson is a main eventer who's coming off wins. Yeah, I mean, he could have lost on Saturday. Sure, sure, but I'm saying like when those guys' contract were up, they were coming off losses. This is a guy who's coming off win. Mm-hmm. So it's more like Gilbert in the sense that Gilbert was coming off uh, 166. Great fight against Diego Sanchez. There was a lot to be done, right? So that's what it reminds me more of than Phil Davis and Josh Thompson. And the UFC stepped up, and, and not only did they re-sign him, they gave him tough. They gave him, you know, some TV stuff. They gave him a lot. Yeah. Um, Fascinating. It's, it's interesting, for sure. Okay. Mm, skip this. Du Ho Choi, after another impressive victory, Du Ho Choi is looking like he could be an interesting prospect in the division. What do you think should be next for the Korean Superboy, and how far do you think he can go? How important do you think it is for the UFC to have young prospects when it comes to growing a market such as Korea? Oh, it's incredibly important. Just look at Ireland. Uh, look at what George St. Pierre did in Montreal. I mean, every uh, Rico Verhoeven said something very interesting and 100% correct when talking about why kickboxing isn't as popular here in the United States. It's the same reason, in my opinion, why for a very long time hockey has not been popular here or even soccer to a degree. Americans love their own. They want to root for their own. Uh, they have that in the NFL. They have that in the NBA. They have it to a lesser degree in Major League Baseball, but when Major League Baseball was really, you know, uh, America's pastime, all that, they, they, they definitely had it. They don't have it in kickboxing. And you need those guys or females in uh, in other markets around the world to truly grow those markets. So, yeah, it's incredibly important. Uh, Choi is, is, is very impressive. I mean, he had a long layoff, but to finish Sam Cecilia like that, super impressive as well. And that crowd seemed very into it. I mean, can I just say 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning to me is the greatest time ever. If I could get every card like that, it would be incredible. If I have to move to Australia to make it happen just so I can watch the events at that hour would be tremendous. Uh, that being said, the crowd, based off what I saw or heard via Fight Pass, seemed really into it. They seemed knowledgeable. They were definitely cheering for Benson. They got it all. And uh, unfortunately, Akiyama lost, so they couldn't go away happy. It was a close one. But I think overall, they really stepped up. And they had been talking about South Korea for a very long time. So I wouldn't be surprised if they come back. And, and Choi has to be a big part of it. They have Kim as well. Benson, obviously. Akiyama, to me, still seems like he can fight. So they got some nice pieces over there. Oh, and by the way, the Korean zombie couldn't fight because he had military duty. And He'll be back next year. And neither could Ace Lim. He got hurt, too. That's another guy. Yeah, they've got some good talent over there. Uh, the swing and betting on Bang on Saturday. Yes, please. Uh, Bang was a heavy favorite before his fight with Leo Kuntz on Saturday, but a surge of betting on Kuntz made him the underdog moments before his fight. Uh, people suggested that the fighter was going to take a dive. My question is, is this common in MMA for a drastic change in betting before a fight? And does it worry you, worry you that potentially someone not named Bob Sapp would throw a fight to benefit themselves financially? Well, here's the weird thing. He ended up losing, right? No, he, the, the guy who became the underdog won. Exactly. That makes no sense. Right. Well, essentially, as far as, you know, what I've seen out there, the reports are that there was report that his weight cut was tough and that uh, his camp was rough and that, you know, he was a little bit banged up. And um, that caused the drastic shift in the betting line. And um, he came out there and still got the job done. What was explained to me was that in these fights, these undercard fights where there's no action, if someone comes in, a family member or whatever, there's like $500 on it. If someone comes in and bets 5000 nothing crazy, but just a big amount for the amount that was being betted prior to that, it can drastically change it things. It can, but that's not what happened here. What happened that, here? What I said, that there was word that his um, weight cut was tough, uh, tough, his camp was tough, and he was a little banged up. Uh, 
that is correct that if you know there's a, a fight with not a lot of action and someone comes in and bets uh, a large amount it can drastically change it but those are usually very well documented and um it'll you know it, it, that that news will come out so that wasn't the case here um it's very strange i wonder was uh was Kuntz at the press conference i don't think he was i you know i looked around for that it doesn't happen very often to answer that question um, where Who's monitoring some, the weight cut of one uh, Leo Kuntz. No, it was Bang's weight cut. Bang's so weight he cut. became the underdog because right, they right, thought right, right. Um, he was banged up. Or wow, right. that was and then, and then, no yes. pun intended. And then he ended up um, winning. Very bizarre. It, you know, these these types of things can happen from time to time, but this is one of the rarer cases where somebody who was you know a, a favorite became a significant significant dog, um, and it was it was just a strange thing, and you know. There was if if somebody wasn't convinced, you could have you could have made some money betting on him there. But I'm happy Bang won only because, you know, you saw some people already throwing out that was fixed and all that. Sure. Could you imagine if he won? Could you imagine? And 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 it was a little dicey there at the beginning. It almost looked like what the heck is going on? Could you imagine if he I got mean, knocked out it, in ten seconds? The, the the talk would have been nonstop if that happened. Yeah. What do you guys think of the build-up to UFC 194? It seems to me that the promotion has been seriously lacking compared to UFC 189. Do you think this event will be more uh, or as successful as UFC 189, considering the amount of talent on the card? It can never be compared because there wasn't a, uh, a world tour. It didn't need a world tour. In fact, I kind of like the fact that it sort of was a bit under the radar because I felt like the, the strange injury bug forces would conspire against it. I think it's important that we have two weeks now to build up the event i think that you know the subtle commercials here and there i'm i'm ready to move past 193 you know korea was a nice little you know morning show but to me i'm all about 194 and that's why i kind of feel like okay i don't like having the event after 189 i didn't like that because it felt like you stuck around at the party a little too long but i don't feel like 194 is the event to have two events before it like 186 is that event you know what i mean like the one that isn't that strong to me aldo mcgregor Weidman, Rockhold, Romero, Jacare, Nelson, Maya. I mean, I just want to think about that. But you know it what feels I mean? like part of a of an experience. It feels like part and of something bigger. It most certainly does. But once we get to, like, if you look at the, the schedule and everything, and I'm not complaining. Like, I saw some media people complain about there being too much. Like, this to me is a dream. This is something I'll be thinking about for years and yeah. telling me. This is, this is unbelievable, and I hope it all stays the same. We lost Watterson. I hope that's it. But... It almost feels like we're, to a degree, muddying the waters here. Listen, I want to focus UFC on 194. has proven that they are willing to test the notion that there is no such thing as too much yes, MMA. Yes, fair enough. I don't think so, it will affect it. Look, the, 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 gate, the gate is a record. So, I mean, people are into it. I don't even want to talk about it because I'm afraid. But clearly the, the amount of promotion has decreased. And do you think any of that's with... Um, it's impossible to compare because of the world tour. Sure. I mean, and that was it, unprecedented. That was, yeah. That, and that was the first go round with the with Conor McGregor, um, you know, as the headliner in that spot. But do you think uh, do you think any of it has to do with reservation about somebody pulling out just because of they got snake bitten last time? Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, look, if if something happened now, it would be hard to go a third time. But I will say this: I am super interested to get to Vegas and to hear <laughs> from Conor because it feels like something's brewing there. If you get what I'm saying, we talked about it on the beat. I'm just interested. He fascinates me. Aldo fascinates me. Freaking Rockhold Weidman fascinates me. I mean, the whole damn thing fascinates me. And I'm not taking anything away from those other two events because Edgar Mendez is incredible. Uh, Page versus Rose is incredible. My main man, Sage Northcutt, is incredible. It's all damn incredible. You know, Khabib, that's, that's, that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah. But 
But this is just this is just un- this is unbelievable stuff. So I just I'm okay with it. Maybe you know I'm not the one making money off it. I'm not the promotional team. I'm not the marketing team. Just get me to December 12th. And if it means less media stuff, fine. I just want to see those guys fight. Moving to Twitter, if Benson Henderson keeps fighting at 170, how far is he from a title shot? Hmm. And w- you've you've said that you, that's what you want, right? You want to see him tr- kind of tr- make sure. a run. By the way. Who do you think he was referring to when he said, uh, was that impressive enough? I have no idea. Do you think it was GSP? That was one of my questions for George, but I uh, I ran out of time. I don't think so. If if so, the execution's a little bit weird on that. But that's Ben, man. He's just, he's kind of a different cat. Like, for me, my instant thought was the UFC, but that's, if it's George, I guess I get it, but it's, it's, you got to be a little more uh, transparent with that. Yeah, that's... That's and then the on, the, on the opposite side of that, it doesn't get more transparent than taking off your gloves and setting yeah, them down in the middle that? of the ring. I, yeah, and he's like smiling and looking at himself on, on camera. It was all very bizarre, but I love it. I love that sort of mystery. Um, I still think he's got some work to do. I mean, the problem with the rankings is that, you know, he's still, he's still in the lightweight and he's been dropped all the way down to 11, which I don't think makes any sense. So he's kind of in that weird gray area where people aren't voting for him or they might be voting for him in welterweight but not enough, so they're forgetting about him at lightweight, so he's dropping down. It's all very strange, but... Who cares about the ranking, though? I feel oh, like- actually, he's now 15 in the ranking, so... But, you know, that's part of the way they sort of promote the guys. I still think there's a little bit of work. Um, maybe next it's like, if he does resign with the UFC, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, a, uh, a Magni type. Well, the problem or here is that Masvidal is not really considered a welterweight, yeah. you know, exclusively. So this doesn't really give him as much stock up. He Whereas beat Thatch, Thatch, yeah. Thatch was a, you know, obviously a big. Maybe it's Thiago Alves again. They're fifteen, fourteen. I like that fight. It's another kind of, you know, tweener guy. I feel like he needs to make a statement against a real like staple of the one seventy division. He's not really a tweener. If anything, he's more of a one eighty five or Alves. Well, I mean, has Dolce trouble. has been teasing that yeah. drop to one fifty five for. Magni, forever now. Thompson, Kim, Maya. I mean, Magni would be a, a great fight, and I think a statement. Yeah. Magni versus uh, Henderson. All right. Is it significant that Kenny Florian interviewed Masvidal before Benson? Never seen the loser interviewed first. I wanted your thoughts on this because yes. I don't remember if I've seen that before either. But I feel like we might have, and I'm just forgetting. Uh, I don't recall seeing it unless there was a major injury or something, um, and that's rare when the winner has the injury. From what I understand, don't look into it too much. I, I just think there was a mix-up. That's it. From, from, from what I was told, it just was, you know, he zigged when he should have zagged. It, it, it was, there was no subliminal message there. It was <laughs> just a mix-up. There you go. Uh, now that he seems, uh, you already alluded to this, now that he seems to be taking his fighting and his life seriously, do you think we have yet to see the best John Jones? No, I really don't. And that's a crazy thing. But I also think that we're going to see a much better Daniel Cormier. I think he overtrained for that fight. Uh, I think he had too much. I remember Jones injured his knee, had to get back. All that time, Cormier was healthy, was going full steam. It was a very emotional and personal fight for him. So I don't think we've seen the best of either of them against each other. And that's crazy. I can't wait. Oh, God, I can't wait. I can't wait for that buildup. Cormier saying he's got some bullets in his back pocket. What the hell is going on? This is crazy. I'm such a sucker for this stuff. Speaking of this this month and how many great fights there are, December is the UFC month. What are your top three fights that you can't wait to see from this month? Oh, God. Um, Aldo McGregor, Wyden Rockhold. It's like 1A, 1B. And then is uh, it also from that card with Jacare yeah. and Romero? It might be. I mean, uh, that says you know everything you need to know Jacare about that card. Jacare Romero, Maya Nelson, um, uh, Edgar 
Mendez, Page versus Rose, Dos Santos versus Overeem, Cerrone versus uh, RDA. So you give in about 10. Pick the three. Fedor versus Jaideep Singh. <laughs> That's right. Um, three, I'll go with the top three at 194. Yeah, I think I think for me that's, that's it. it as well. It's crazy, greatest card ever. Habib, greatest top Habib three fights and, ever. Uh, and Tony Ferguson would have would have cracked it for yeah. me though. Any update? Uh, this is our final one and fitting. Any updates on our oh. boy Nick Diaz? Yes, I'm happy you asked. Uh, I was talking to some people last week, and it seems like there's a bit of dragging of the feet there. Um, you know, I reported on UFC tonight that it's uh, it's being discussed right now that they were you know hoping to get some sort of resolution here renegotiate this whole thing and, and, and come to 18 months uh, as far as suspension and a $100,000 fine. But there have been some other terms thrown out. That's still on the table from what I was told, 18 months, 100000 But there's other things that he had to agree to. And, uh, well, there's some back and forth there. So, you know, as you can see with the Vanderlei thing today, uh, things in Nevada move slowly and there's, there's a lot of red tape. But uh, hopefully, and I said this on the beat, hopefully we don't take our foot off the gas on this one. It's important to remind people that what was done was wrong, that if it is 18 months and he's okay with that, then so be it. But it can't be five years. That's wrong. That shouldn't happen. They can't take away his career. Not, not with those tests, not with what happened, not with the way it went down in September, September 15th in Las Vegas, a date that will live in infamy until this is corrected. So I checked in last week. It's moving along, but there's some snafus here and there. Hopefully, first quarter of 2016 maybe you know in the last month or so december is tomorrow they'll figure this out and and they renegotiate a good deal but uh it's it's not it's not done deal by by any stretch as i said but they were hoping things would move a little quicker it got slowed down and they're working through it that's the update and that's it we're done that is it all right thank you very much uh great show what a show that was you can hit my music thank you new york rick for that Thank you to all of you for tuning in. Thank you to all of you for sending in questions. Thank you to all of you who uh, watched our stuff last week. The Jones interview, the Holly Holm teammates reacting. And how about Holly Holm going on HuffPost Live and saying that of all the things to come out after the win, the articles, the videos, all that stuff, that was her favorite. How about that? Pretty amazing. I appreciate her sending that, uh, saying that, I should say, and I sent her a text thanking her. For saying that as well so another show in the books two more before the year is up next week of course start of a big week for the ufc for our sport it's a quiet weekend coming up but boy oh boy will we have a lot to discuss next week for now we say goodbye to this week thank you very much to malki kawa for stopping by great stuff from him as always thank you very much to daniel cormier tremendous stuff from him as always all the best and happy trails to Kahal Pendren. Good luck with the new salad place. Great to catch up with Josh Barnett. Good luck on January 30th. Thank you very much to the great George St. Pierre for stopping by. Very interesting stuff out of him. Thank you very much to Mirko Krokop for stopping by. Thank you for the memories. Good luck to him as he enters a new phase in his great life. Thank you very much to Rico Verhoeven for stopping by. Really great to have him on the show for the first time. Check out Glory this Friday on ESPN3. And thank you very much to all of you for stopping by as well. If you missed anything, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, all that good stuff and more. We'll see you next week. Until then, I say peace. Somebody out.